Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 1000 with Joe and Lucille Cacciatore. Well, people want to be recognized. They want you to, and that was one thing I knew about people. You have to, you had to learn their names, say hi, build a relationship with them so they felt welcome, and give them a good meal, which we did. Are you ready for it? Factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. This episode is brought to you by Restaurant Systems Pro, and they are launching their first time ever 60 day pilot program this is something that's never been done before this 60-day event is at no cost to you but it's not for everyone fred langley ceo of restaurant systems pro will be leading a group of restaurant tours through the restaurant system pro software and setting up the systems for your restaurants fred will teach you recipe costing cards guidance in your books for accounting cash control sales forecasting checklist budgeting for the entire year scheduling for profit more butts and seats and that's not it if you are interested in this head over to www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash rsp that's rsp for restaurant systems pro www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash rsp this episode is brought to you by ovation creating a great guest experience is the goal of every restaurant every time but the ways to find out what's actually happening with your guests are terrible that's where ovation comes in ovation gets happy guests to leave you positive reviews and unhappy guests to share what happened and it gives you specific ideas to improve ovation it's frictionless for your guests easy for your managers and powerful for you if you're interested in actionable guest feedback visit ovationup.com slash unstoppable unstoppable listeners get $100 off their setup fee. What are you waiting for? That's ovationup.com slash unstoppable. This episode is brought to you by One Huddle, a coaching and development platform using quick burst mobile games to more quickly and effectively level up and fire up your workforce. With One Huddle, you can onboard new employees up to 45% faster. There was actually a study done by the University of South Florida that has proven that you can train your employees 45% faster. This just isn't fluff. This is real stuff. One Huddle, this new and improved way to educate your staff will train translate into increased sales because you're creating more consistency with the guest experience in both front of house and back of house, i.e. menu development, just learning the menu, POS, limited time offers, food costs, things like this. To learn more, head to restaurantunstoppable.com slash one huddle. That's the number one in huddle like a football huddle. And when you use that link, you can get access to one huddles game shop, 3000 plus on demand skill games on everything from bartending to serve safe to the latest Amazon best-selling books and so much more. One more time, restaurantunstoppable.com slash one huddle. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guests, owners of Joe's Depot Diner in East Kingston, New Hampshire, and my parents, Mm -hmm. Joseph and Lucille Cacciatore. Joe, Lou, are you feeling unstoppable today? 
unstoppable. Uh, so I'm I'm honestly more nervous for today's interview than I've been uh, for any of my major restaurant tour name interviews because I'm sharing the catch Tory story, uh, how I got to where I am, how you guys projected um, me into this the world of restaurants, and you know I I tell the story a lot behind restaurant unstoppable and um, why I'm doing this work. And a lot of it is because I grew up in the industry and I've seen, I've witnessed firsthand how friggin' hard it is and seeing you guys work 80 hours a week. Would you, is that an accurate number? Would you say more or less? That was a short week. That was a short week <laughs> and um, working so hard, blood, sweat and tears literally. And also being also seeing how much love there was for you, honestly. And that's like, and I, I'm already starting to get emotional. And this conversation is like, that's, that's like one of the best memories is just knowing, being a part of the catch family and just having everybody in our town know who you are, mm-hmm. you know? And like, I have a lot of great memories because of it, but <laughs> whoo, straight out of the gates, getting emotional. Um, I'm super excited to share your story, to make an example of you, to talk about what I've learned in a thousand episodes, uh, the information I wish you guys had back in 1988 or 89, 89, 89 yeah, when you yeah. got started. Um, and that's kind of what propelled this whole thing in, into what it is today is what, what didn't my parents know that I wish they did know that would have given them a better quality of life and maybe would still be in the restaurant industry. Who knows? So I cannot wait to dive in, but did you, we didn't share the success quarter mantra yet. So I told my dad that I will say this, whatever you do in life, you do it with your heart and your soul and do it right. And you'll be successful. What was the Italian word you were trying to figure out earlier? Did you bail on that one? Uh, yeah, I'm Bill. <laughs> Don't get me going on that one. <laughs> What's the Italian? Say it. Well, it was before we sat down to eat, but no, I won't go there. All right. You nervous? No, just don't want to. You know, make this a is mistake. a restaurant business podcast where I'm fine. We're talking to restaurant people. You're not going to offend anybody. I'm nervous? No, no. I just don't think I was pronouncing it right. Just See, I've, I've been married to an Irish woman for 47 years, so I haven't used my Italian in a long time. You can't say anything wrong. Go for it. What was it? I'm curious. Aputanza. What's aputanza mean? I believe it means enjoy and eat. Enjoy and eat. Yeah. I love it. Um, and you said anything that you enjoy in life, doing what you love, you'll be successful. Put your heart and mind into it, and you won't go wrong. Mom, what do you got? Anything? Never give up. Just always keep going. Something's always going to happen to um, get in your way, whether it be kids or your business but don't ever give up just keep on going i honestly think that's been my biggest strength uh i don't always know what i'm doing clearly you guys saw me setting up today but uh every time i show up i get a little bit better and uh, i think the trick is just keep showing up and that's one thing that you guys both did really well um you know was there a day you guys were open to close you close mondays right just on Mondays, yes. Mondays. You guys showed up. There wasn't a day you guys... I mean, how many days, how many sick days did you have in the 10 years you guys owned that restaurant? None. Yeah. None. Well, actually, there was three when I got shot. Yep. Three. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> you, want, you want to share that story, don't you? You can go well, for it. I was mistaken for a turkey in 1991, and I, <laughs> I was in the hospital for three days, and as soon as I got out, it was back to work the next day, and it wasn't easy. What's your favorite line? You broke a state record or something like that? I broke broke the state record. I have the uh, state record turkey beat by two hundred pounds. Nice. 
Um, so anyway, you're getting an idea of, of my parents. Um, I'm super excited to be diving into the story. So kind of set it up earlier before getting kind of emotional. Um, grew up in the restaurant industry. Uh, saw, like, like I said, through your, like just watching you guys hustle and grind and work and sacrifice so much. Um, the, the big reason why I started this podcast is because as somebody who grew up in the industry, who loves working in the industry, uh, who chose a path that wasn't, it wasn't right for me. I came back to the restaurant industry and I put myself in a position where I really couldn't work in the industry because of the debt that I had for myself. I would never be able to pay off my debt. Uh, I had to get creative and, um, you know, I, I got this idea for the podcast because there were so many podcast out there that were just sharing knowledge, uh, interviewing people, sharing knowledge, paying it forward. And I thought to myself, what would it have, what, what if my parents had a resource like, like that when they were going back in 1989 from 1989 to 1998, 1999, 10 years, 10 year run. Um, what, what would that resource look like? And like, where will my parents be today if they had access to this information, if they could tap into the greatest minds of the industry. And when I was, so I was listening to these types of podcasts, but there wasn't a restaurant associated podcast where people were sharing knowledge and wisdom. It was all other verticals. It was entrepreneurism and marketing. And I just couldn't help but think like, what if this was available for my parents? You know, would they have been more profitable? Would they have have had a better quality work-life balance if they, if you know, why were we so busy? Lines out the door every weekend, and we we struggle paying the mortgage. And it's weird saying that publicly. I hope is it weird that I'm saying that to you guys? That's because we didn't know how to price things properly. Get a little closer to the mic. That's because we didn't know how to price things properly. We didn't understand the industry. Yeah, I started the industry because everybody says, "Gee, you cook great. You should open up a restaurant." I went into it as oh blind God. as how many blind people listening to this have heard that line. <laughs> You know, and it's true, and that that's such a common story. So, actually, why don't you guys take us back? Like, where does it make sense to start sharing your story? Because you you didn't work in restaurants. I think you worked at a deli, Dad. No, I worked at a meat uh, cut in place. But when I was a kid, I did work for the Chelsea Naval Hospital in the kitchen before Nixon shut it down, and they were going to make me a chef because they they saw my potential. Okay, how old were you at this point? Seventeen. Seventeen. Um. But you didn't have dreams of opening a restaurant, did you? No. When did the idea before that? Like, what what were you so? What were you guys doing before this? I was in law enforcement. Yeah, uh, mom. What were you doing? I was um, home with my kids and yeah. also daycare. doing daycare. Daycare. Yep. Um, you you're from Boston. Mm-hmm. Take us back. Like, what was what was going on before all this? The restaurant industry. Well, we were here where we are in East Kingston, and we had uh, moved here with two children, and then a third one came along. And then I thought, well, I was doing actually, I was doing home parties. I was doing uh, home decorative accessory parties. I remember that. And I had another child, and it was getting a little harder and harder to leave the house at night and find confident and willing babysitters. So I said, well, where am I going to go to make enough money to pay for childcare and make enough money? So just, you know, for a salary, for earning. So therefore, um, I said, I'll stay home and do daycare. So you were home. You were, what, two or three years old, and I had other little ones The here. first catch Tory child born in New Hampshire. Yeah. Pretty sure. Yeah. I think I might you were, record. Actually, but you were actually born in, in Beverly, Mass., so no. Oh, well, no. Yeah. Raised in New Hampshire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so my, there's three of us, my brother, my sister, and myself. I'm the youngest, Joe and Rach. They were born 
in 80 and 83 in the Boston or Chelsea Everett area. Yeah. Um, they were what? Three and, and two. Rachel had her first birthday here. So Joey was three. Rachel was three and one when you guys moved up here. Yeah. Right. And then a year later I was born or like a year, not, not quite a year later. I was yeah. born. Nine months later. Was I like the housewarming party or something? Kind of. An <laughs> no, it was a year later. Yeah. yeah. A year later? Okay. I can't say too much because I'll get in trouble. No, there's nothing. <laughs> literally act like pretend Frankie G is sitting on the other side of the table. Well, that we moved up here in August. Hutton Frankie see, G is my dad's best yeah. friend. Hutton One of my dad's uh, best friends. And your godfather. Yeah, my godfather. Opened up in September and I went into right with the deer. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, there you go. Um, so you come to New Hampshire. You're working in law enforcement. Uh, you're doing daycare. Uh, how long were you in East Kingston, New Hampshire, before you opened the restaurant? We moved here in um, 84. 84. We opened the restaurant in 89. Five years. Five years. Where? Gunner. I knew that was going to happen. We have a... Oh. We have a dog navigating wires right now under the table. If something falls, you'll know why. Um, eight years. Where was your relationship with the community five years into uh, living in this community? Well, I was well known. Uh, it was a very small community. Back then, the population was only 1,200. Yeah. Uh, but I'll tell you, breaking in in a small Yankee town, because it was very much old timers, New Hampshire old timers, was hard. Why was it hard? Well, because I'm an Italian and I cooked a lot of Italian meals. I, I, we had a few meals, like I had ziti and meatball on the board one day. And one of the, my patrons said to me, Joe, what the hell's a ziti? <laughs> and I said, a ziti is something you squeeze. This is a ziti. It's a macaroni. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was tough for Italians moving into the white New Hampshire. I mean, we're, I think Italians are considered, in today's culture, white. It, but I remember talking to our, our, our friend Al Brandano. And moving up to, um, people wouldn't sell them a house. They there was a it was there's a lot of racism in New mm-hmm. Hampshire at that point. Uh, if you weren't like as white as you know snow, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mom you probably didn't have any answers or any issues. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> she's Irish. She's um, an old janky. So but, uh, <laughs> so were you like were people giving you a hard time when you moved? I never. Town? Nobody ever gave me a hard time. No, no. No, when when we moved here, we had small children, and our children started to go to school. So therefore, we would. You asked how what our relationship was like in the community. We had you know other parents, just like any other young couple does. You have kids, you meet other family with kids, and you just start to acclimate to the community. So we had a lot of friends. So at what point? Like when was the first seed of opening a restaurant planted into your brain? When you well, you kids were all little, and my thought was because I was working for the sheriff's department, was to run a restaurant for 10 years to build up a college fund for you ch- your children. Were you going to be working in that restaurant? Absolutely, because I worked the night shift at the sheriff's department. I was going to work the, the mornings at the diner, close at 2, and go back to work. So you're going to work the night shift, close at 2? Two? 2, and go back to work at 4 o'clock. When were you going to sleep? From midnight till eight till 6 in the morning. Oh, okay. Wait, I'm I'm confused. Give I, me some AM and PMs here. I worked the, the sheriff's department from 4 to 12 p.m. Got it. I was going to open up the diner at 6 a.m. Okay. So you get home at 1 o'clock, and you would be it out me, the Yeah, it took me about 40 minutes. By but 5. I was young back then. Yeah. I was in my 30s, and that's what a parent does to sacrifice right. for his, his family. 
how long into when you opened the restaurant were you still working at the jail yes you were how long just a few months i uh at the time i had a run-in with the sheriff who wasn't exactly a very nice person and we didn't see eye to eye and i did not want to work for somebody like that then after i quit the uh he ended up doing time the feds got him oh really so i guess i wasn't wrong yeah um so and the, the basically the restaurant became my survival because that's all I had. Yeah. Um, I feel like I know there's more of the story. Um, yeah, I, we I know. You, okay. <laughs> it's family. It's family. family. It's family. You, you can choose your friends and you can't choose your family. So family got in the way. Family got in the way. Long story short, I'll summarize. Um, family, other family was working at the jail. Other family got into trouble. Other family was associated with you. I was a shift commander. Shift commander. Because of family, they associated you with what the family did, and essentially, why are you shaking your head? Well, again, I didn't hire that person. The sheriff did, because it was his best friend. Yeah. I mean, the the reason why, I know this is personal and it's family, but it's also real, and it's also a great example of what the fuck happens in life. Yeah. Where you don't know what's going to happen. Well, and back then, your father had quite a history, because I also taught for the Mass Criminal Justice Department. I taught defensive tactics, handcuffing techniques. Yeah. So, so they considered me a badass because they were, when they served me with papers, they sent four officers to the house and they served your mother, not me. Right. <laughs> so this family member did something. This family member is also not with us anymore. Um, this family member did something illegal. Um, can I say what he did? I no, I wouldn't listen. do that. It's, no. it's not going to, it's all history now. Just. Let it lay. All right. I'll respect the family secrets. Uh, but essentially, it was bad enough that the, the, they assumed you were associated with it, and they came to serve you and, and to take you to jail. Well, they were bringing me up on charges. I cleared my name, and after I cleared my name, I didn't, know, I didn't want to work for him any longer. I didn't want to work for somebody like that. Yeah, I, I respect that. Uh, I think most people would. So you have this grand plan where you're going to be making money. Uh, you would have had a pension by now. You probably would have you, you been... In, in those pretty days, well off. pretty well off. So you have one channel of cash that was cut off. And now the one thing that you're going to do as a side hustle becomes your full-time hustle. Right. What was the vision for the restaurant? What were you trying to do? What, what did you want? Well, I, I wanted to work hard for 10 years to save up money to put my children through college or whatever they needed. And um, That was to be the extra that, money. That, that, that was like the extra money because I was making good money with the sheriff's department. But it just didn't happen. So that the, the restaurant became my survival. What was the vision for the restaurant, though? As far as what were you? What did you want to create as a restaurant? What was your what a was good your name, name? Which we did. Uh, we didn't even realize it, but Phantom Gourmet had hit us twice and gave us great reviews. Yeah, uh, but you wanted to be breakfast and lunch. Breakfast and lunch. Then we did dinner two nights a week. Uh, what was your What was your strategy for getting people in the door? We made everything homemade. Nothing was from a can. Everything was from scratch, uh, because that's the way I grew up. We were, if my mother ever brought home spaghettios, that would have been the end of it. But <laughs> everything was homemade and from scratch, and that's what we did. Everything was homemade. It wasn't from a can, uh, and people enjoy our food. I was, we gave a, a good amount of food for a fair price. Did you think you needed to give like talk to me about the portions? What was what was your strategy with? Well, I made pancakes that were 
huge. And people still talk about them today and have been close for 20 years. Right. They're, they, they didn't fit on the plate. No, they didn't fit on the plate. They wanted to know how I could flip them. <laughs> but I did. I also remember you doing uh, Mickey Mouse ears. When I had a little kid, I'd do Mickey Mouse ears for them. I, I enjoyed my, my customers. I enjoyed it. was a family oriented restaurant. I mean, all the little kids, I'd hold them in so they could press the keys on the cash register and open the drawer. We were family. It was a family. Small well, that town. was honestly like one of the things I remember the most is how much you enjoyed your customers and honestly your employees. I remember right. there being a lot of fun. I was only three years old when you guys opened we, that place. We had trains that went by our diner. That's why it was called Joe's Depot Diner. And I'd make fresh muffins every morning. And the train going from Boston to Maine would stop at my diner to get fresh hot blueberry the, muffins or corn muffins. This isn't, a, this isn't a commuter rail. This is a freight train. It takes a lot to stop. Yeah. <laughs> and they would stop until somebody reported them and that ended that. Yeah, but uh, blocking traffic. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, we had a good reputation. Uh, so, I mean, when when I think about the restaurant, looking back at that time, growing up in the restaurant, um, I spent a lot of my childhood in the restaurant. Uh, before I was in daycare, I was basically you guys would take me. You would come with me in the morning. Yeah, and uh, we would have somebody else open up, uh, usually with dad early. But then I would go in around nine o'clock, and then you'd hang out until you got picked up for. Uh, Nursery school. Yeah. Kindergarten. So, and, and then there was the weekends. I don't know. How old was I when I started working there on the weekends? Uh, I think you were probably about 11 or 12. It was before the age of 13 because. Oh, yeah. Because you, well, you asked me for money for, uh, you wanted a, uh, what did they call it, an allowance. And I said, sure, you can have an allowance, but you're going to work for it. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Mom. Well, you all got paid. You Your brother started first. He would be, um, you know, he'd come after school, sweep. Take out the trash, mop the floor, and then work on the weekends as well, like cutting and prepping and, and getting the kitchen ready. And then um, when he went off to school, Rachel came in and she did it. You know, she she came in and did the, the trash and the sweeping and the mopping. And and, um, and then she wanted to make more money. So I said, you follow a waitress around and learn how. So she's been a waitress since she, she's about 12. I was going to say... <laughs> And it's weird because I, I, when I was a kid, I remember like thinking to myself, like, "Oh, like she's older," you know. Like I was, she was only a year and a half older than me. I was eleven or ten when she was a server. And it's weird because I feel like today, if that were to happen today, I feel like you'd probably get reported. She, she might have been older than me. I think maybe she started helping us in the kitchen. But we were know, a family restaurant, yeah, which is a difference. Well, I get it. And I'm not yeah. saying that you mm-hmm. you did anything wrong. The point that I'm trying to make is I think people should let their kids work in a restaurant. I think it, it teaches a lot. Uh, I think it teaches discipline. It teaches the value of a dollar. It teaches mm-hmm. if you want something, go work for Your it. Your mother and I were trying to you know, teach you you guys that nothing is for nothing. You have to earn it. Yeah. And that wasn't a dig at you guys. Like I respect oh. the decision to make your kids work. I remember take going to school and taking the bus to the restaurant and I would mop or sweep, mm-hmm. take out the trash, sweep and mop every day. And I was, took me about an hour to do an hour and a half. You're paying me like five bucks an hour. I was also like eight years old. I feel like <laughs> I was, well, not, maybe, was I eight years old? Does that sound right? Eight, no. nine, 10. No, no, you're probably, probably closer, 11 or 12. closer to 12. Right? I was doing it for a solid two years, and I was 13 when you guys right. closed it. So, like, no, 11, 12. 14. 
So what also happens was you kids would always say, well, it's time to go shopping. I need, I want to buy clothes. I need back to school clothes. And you want to go to the Gap or you want to go to uh, what's some of the other places you would have stopped. J. Crew. Or, yeah. yeah. And I was like, listen, if we're going there, um, if you're getting clothes on my dime, we're going to Walmart. If you want to go to J. Crew, then you're going to use your money. So yeah. you learned how to make money. Exactly. I think it's a good thing. Um, anyway, I don't know why we're going down this path. Uh, but you started it. I know, I know. I know. <laughs> so just reflecting back, I mean, um, I also, I just remember, Dad, I think what, what, what triggered my memory was you saying you enjoyed your employees, you enjoyed your, uh, your, your community, your guests. And that's the one thing that, I, I mean, I remember you had an amazing relationship with our regulars. You it's safe to say you were best friends with our regulars. There wasn't anybody that walked in really. I mean, if they Billy still calls every morning, (laughs) we've been closed for 23 years and I still have people asking me if you're going to open up again. No. Why wouldn't you too old? Okay. Make pretend you (laughs) go back in your 35 year old body. Yeah. You could time travel, go back. Would you? Maybe. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed cooking. And I enjoyed the people. But I would have done it a little bit different. I would have... See, I didn't know how to price things uh, in portions, the way you should measure things out. Yeah. I made a lot of mistakes. I want to focus on the things you guys did right. You know what I mean? Like, And and I, I have learned a few things. Um, and I wanted to... You know, I mean, we, we could actually go there now. We might as well. You, you want to talk about it now. Yeah, menu engineering is what they call it. You, you said we have a bad location. Yeah, um, we're in a small town. Yeah, nobody's going to know we're here unless we give them a reason to come here. So we need to provide value. I did that. Yeah, but, and I don't think you're wrong in thinking like we need to find a way to provide value. We need to we need to do an amazing job to be to draw people. Um, I think that's a, a trap that a lot of people fall into though is the the, the price point thing like. Uh, they say like people need to, we need to give people a deal in order to come here. But I think that because you had an amazing relationship with your with your um, your community, not it wasn't it wasn't just in the restaurant though. Like I remember you guys would surprise, like you would show up at school with like trays of muffins, and you oh, don't I, remember? I, I remember. I, I that. ran the fishing derbies. You ran the fishing derbies. Uh, you were a selectman. I don't know. I think that I was, was still, after. Uh, well, I was in '91. No, I was when I had the restaurant. I had I was a selectman, and that was kind of tough because everybody would try to come in and talk to me while I was cooking. Was that the first time you were a selectman in '91? That was the first time I was selectman. It was ninety uh, ninety-two. I'm sorry. Yes, I did it for so people try to come to ninety-five. And why was that tough? Because I'm trying to work, and people would come in complaining to me about what they wanted done in town. Yeah, I can see that being tough. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I always said he was a, he was in charge of customer relations. But you yes. had a spot. I mean, you had like a. I used to think of it as your throne. That's Dad's spot. My throne. spot. Yeah, I'd sit down on my milk crates and talk to people. Two milk crates stacked. Yeah, in between the counter and uh, the the service counter, uh, where there was a TV in the corner, mm-hmm. uh, and then to the right of the TV was a window into the kitchen, and people would come and sit at that bar, and you would just. And I know it caused a lot of tension between the two of you. <laughs> Might want to talk about that. Well, I, was, I was in the kitchen making, making desserts and soups and the day special. And he, Dad was in charge of customer relations. And you, but I think you, you thought I was bullshitting. Yeah, okay. you, you know, I get my bullshitting ability from somebody. I get it from honestly from both of you. You both are really great carrying conversations. Um, 
mom just listening to you talk after after the restaurant you were in the world of uh, customer service with comcast for what 20 years 24 yeah 24 years and um i mean i definitely get a bit of that from you guys for sure but i think it's worth just talking about the, the what is business at the core of business it's all about relationships and I think that that's something that you guys, and I think that's why you had a 10 year run. You, you had lines out the door every weekend. You, you had people that literally loved you and they love you to this day. And growing up in that sense of community, that sense of just literally we were the, we were the center of the community in the middle of the, the, the community. We were like the, the hub yeah. and people would come to the restaurant to get their news, to get their politics, to, to, to be around other people they love to, to it, it was, it was a very special place to grow up. And that, that's, that's kind of what I wanted to share publicly with you guys is that, you know, it, I think it gave me social and emotional intelligence that young people just don't get today. Mm-hmm. Just being surrounded by strangers constantly and just pitching in and, and just, and just being seen and valued. Mm-hmm. And that's what I felt in that restaurant. The community saw us and people loved what we were doing and we were valued. Even when you were standing on a milk crate washing dishes? Yeah. <laughs> and it, Dad waking my ass up at 5 a.m. on a Saturday morning when I could have been watching cartoons, but I was cutting 50 pounds of potatoes instead. Yeah. <laughs> um, but at the same time, like, it, you know, I think it helped. It served me a life because I remember going to work at other places and they're just like, you, we don't need to tell you what to do. Right. Yeah. Like, they're like, I, you, I grew up in a restaurant. They're like, oh, this is great. <laughs> you know, like, get to work. Um, but like, if I had to narrow it down to the, the you know, the, again, the whole reason why I started this podcast um, was one because I wanted the answers. I wanted, I wanted to learn. I, I love, I love the idea of podcasts to, to learn from successful people. This idea of paying knowledge forward uh, to the next generation. There wasn't anything like it for the restaurant industry, but I, I, I in the back of my mind, I was like, I want to find out what we were doing wrong. How could we be so loved, and how 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 is that so hard to be in business? How how is it that the, the restaurant down the street, or not down the street, but the, the restaurant in the town over, or whatever, the, like they're not there all the time. They're going on vacation, but we're here eighty plus hours a week. And you know what did what didn't we do? And I think it comes down to the little the little details that kill all restaurants. And I want you guys to know you're not alone. And you that, have to tell your help. You What's have that? To, you, have, you have to be able to trust your help. What do you mean? Well, it's hard to take it's hard to take time off. I would try to take a day off, and people would say we didn't like the way the other person cooked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but you know, you have to have a life, and I think that's why we got out of the business because we yeah. we didn't have a life. My favorite saying to people is, "When you own a business, you don't own the business; the business owns you." Yes, it's, I remember it, you saying that. I remember you. I, I t- always say that to people. I told you I wanted to open a restaurant when I was like around probably twelve or thirteen. I remember thinking to myself, I want to, I want to open a restaurant. This is what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And I remember you telling me what the, what's the matter with you. Yeah. Like, I mean, I said, don't work hard, work smart. Yeah. You also said, we're working so hard so you don't have to. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm very involved in the community after I got out of the, 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 the restaurant business. And now I'm back in it again. I did the planning board for 10 years. I chaired that and I'm presently a selectman again. Although my wife thought I was crazy because, but. I didn't like the way I saw things run, so I said, it's time for me to get back involved. You said something you were asking us, Eric. Like what, Pull that mic closer to you. What, what, the, there you go. What, um, what would we do different? 
So in the beginning, when dad was still working at the jail, we had somebody else there to run the business for us. I was still doing daycare at home. Somebody was at the business running it for us. But you also, you had another channel of revenue, another source of income. He was also robbing us. Dad was, dad was still working at the, at the jail. Yeah. And I was here, but he had somebody else running the business and we found out he was stealing from us. So that's, how did you find out? That's another reason we figured why. it out. How did you figure it out? Because things were missing. And at that time, you know, I was much younger and I had a hot temper. So it was either I would have ended up in jail or start working at the. Yeah. Well, because people told us. They told and us. And people yeah. told us. He's taking like he, he was living his, with his, his uncle. His uncle turned him in. His uncle said, he's, I got food in my refrigerator that, that we didn't buy. He's bringing food home. And then we would find whole kielbasas on the floor underneath the refrigerator. I mean. Really, it was, we were losing money with him. Yeah. So, and another factor was that we didn't own the building, so we were paying rent, and we didn't own the building. And then, you know, when things don't go good with the landlord, it was another decision that that was that ten we, years in. Yeah, we'll get there. Um, okay. So, I mean, I, I so what I'm picking up from you, um, you know, it's just it, what you did well is what I think people who are truly passionate and made for this in, this industry do well is they care about people. They provide a great service. They provide a, a great meal, value in the meal, value in the food, value in the relationships. The biggest lessons I've learned in a thousand episodes, the things that were my first like aha moment type things that we weren't doing was systems, processes, procedures, protocols. Um, you, the, if you weren't there, the restaurant didn't work. Mm-hmm. And that's basically what you said. Like people, If you try to take a day off, people would complain that the food wasn't the same. Right? right. So what you had, it was literally the definition of a people dependent organization, not a system dependent organization. Right. Um, and people, when they hear systems and processes, they think to themselves that sucks the soul out of things. Like nobody wants to be reg- like regimented like that. And you think franchise and corporation, when you think systems, processes, procedures, checklists, things like this. But what you're doing with those things is you're recreating yourself in those, in those tools. Like this is how I would do it every time. And then you, you find a way to create a process around that. Um, and I mean, that was probably one of the biggest aha moments I had when I was like, oh, this is, we were, we didn't have checklists, you know, and I'm not trying to come down on you guys. I didn't have a clue how to run a business. I mean, I'll be the first one to admit it. Yeah. And I think that's everybody who starts a restaurant, you know, most people when they first start, I think it's important to keep in mind that you guys opened your restaurant in 1988, 1989. You started the process in 88 and you opened in 89, right? Um, there weren't resources like there are now. No, there wasn't. There wasn't restaurantowner.com back then. You know, there wasn't a place you could go and Google and, and get how to open a restaurant. What, and you would have had access to that. And, and there, there wasn't podcasts back then. There, you there wasn't cell phones. There wasn't then. cell phones. Back then. <laughs> I started this podcast because I, I witnessed how hard this industry was firsthand. And I didn't want anybody to go through what my parents had to go through just to get by. You know, and work as hard as they did, and to have the relationships that they had. Um, our mission statement is to inspire, empower, and transform the industry. And I, I knew that if I could get not like the knowledge out to people, I could, or at the very least, help people understand how truly hard it is. And if I could talk people out of doing it, I think I'm doing people a, a service. Mm-hmm. You know, give a serious thought because yeah. when. Again, like I said, I, you know, I was on the planning board and things. When somebody opens up a restaurant, and come, they would come in front of me, and I would commend them. I says, but, you know, be, be prepared because yeah. it's a lot of work. 
It is. Um, so systems, processes, procedures, and I think the other thing you're talking about being like people are stealing from you, inventory. That's, that's a system. That's a process. Counting your inventory, knowing exactly what your pars are. Like our par stock for French fries is 10 cases, right? I'm just throwing a random number out there. Um, so if we get to two, one case, we got to order nine more cases and taking like weekly inventory of knowing exactly what we sold and what's on the shelves. And if what's sold isn't what's on, like if, if what's missing from the shelves doesn't equate to dollars in dollars, you know, what's what, you know, the, if it's not accurate, you know, there's a hole someplace. There's little things like this that you can do. And that's systems, processes, procedures, protocols. Um, and these are the things that people get in trouble with. I think what you guys did really well is you had the culture you had, I think your employees, is, is it safe to say your employees really had a fun time working for you? How long did some Most of your employees of work? Most, well, we had fuel up for the whole time. And they're still friends. And they're still friends, yeah. Yeah. Like who? Bonnie Ketty. Bonnie. Bonnie, oh, Bonnie. Bonnie Mansfield. Bonnie Mansfield. Yeah. Don, Tina. Yeah. Charlene. I mean, we don't see some of them, but if we did. We're not working we, yeah. together every yeah. day. Yeah, right. Um, but that was another thing I remember um, is just... People like I remember. I mean, yeah, there's hard times, but I remember a lot of fun memories. Mm-hmm. People chasing each other around with towels. That was candy. <laughs> I did that. <laughs> you wouldn't do that today. No, you're nope. in trouble today. Um, but I, I even had parents say to me, "Joe, straighten out my kid. Put him to work in the kitchen and do whatever you need to straighten him out." Right. And today, that kid thanks me. Because uh, at one point, he was giving his father a hard time. He tried giving me a hard time. I literally picked him up by the back of his pants and the back of his shirt. As a police officer was in, the, in my uh, restaurant, Mel. I said, yeah, Mel Ketty, who's not, not with us. He says, turn your head, Mel. I opened up the back door, and I threw him right out the door and over the dock. <laughs> oh, man, the 80s and 90s were a good time, weren't they? Um I mean, what reflecting back? I mean, what through the lessons you're, you're the school of hard knocks? What what knowledge? What what lessons you want to pay forward to the people who might be listening to this, who are looking to open a restaurant? What 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 advice? What recommendations would you give them? What what do, what do you wish you had when you were getting started? For me, I yeah. wish I had an education, like a marketing education, to know what I was getting myself into, to know checks and balances, what comes in, what goes out. I would have wanted an education. Yeah, um, I had no plans on doing where I was because Dad was going to do it and I was going to be home. But as it turned out, I, I had to go and I, you know, and, and help him with everything. So, you know, to to wait on tables to cook, to help with the maintenance of the business, but. I would have liked to have had some education. So I you know in both of us education in what we were doing, marketing. Right. Did you ever reach out to other restaurant owners? Never. Why not? No. Did think of it. Yeah. Do you think that there was a culture in the industry where if you tried to go to your competitors and ask for advice, they would have been like, Get the hell out Well, of back then there weren't many restaurants around. That's a good point. I mean the closest restaurant I mean, we were in East Kingston. Right. The closest, like... Carmen's Chicken. Carmen's Chicken, which was a... They were on their way going out of... They were, they were older. They were, they were closing. Right. Um, but you also didn't have friends in the restaurant industry. You weren't... No. It's not like you came up in the restaurant industry, worked for a successful restaurant no. tour, no. and then went on to go do your own thing. You didn't no. have a network of restaurants. I just people. knew how to cook, and I was a person's people. I, I could... I, I was a good bullshitter. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I mean, those... That, that is a recipe for a success... 
And a lot of people who get into the restaurant industry, they're, they're lacking that. Yeah. But they are good at the systems and processes, but they don't have soul. They don't have culture. Uh, and um, I, I don't, I don't want to like harp it too much. I feel like we kind of spelt it out, but that was probably one of the biggest lessons. I think really what it came down to is systems, processes, procedures, and menu engineering. And charging literally, you should have said, hey, I want to make 15% on every, you know, I want that, that's my profit, 15%. And then you should have, what you could have done is said, how do I need, how do I bake that, that profit in? Yeah. Do I didn't I, have, we didn't have a clue. How do I reverse engineer that? How do I, how much do I need to charge to make 15%? And I think that that's the kind of one of the, the other big lessons I've learned is if you have a valuable product where you're the best at what you do, and I'm, I'll say you were the best people came from at least 30 minutes every morning yeah. Because there there was no other place in this, on the seacoast of New Hampshire in 1989, 1988 that was doing what you guys were doing. You had Boston quality breakfast in New Hampshire. That, right. that doesn't sound like a big deal. You grew up in Boston. This was the food that you fell in love with. You you didn't have a good place to eat when you moved to New Hampshire. You want to get out of the city, but you didn't think, oh, shit, there's no food. Well, country. when I made a frittata <laughs> and your friend Al Brandano. Yeah. He says that this guy is not from around here, right? <laughs> um, so you 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 were smart in a lot of things. You were an entrepreneur. You saw an opportunity. There's a void in the market. I can do this. I can cook like this. Um, and the the lessons are like do the due diligence. And there's the resources are out there today. Restaurantowner.com. If you're listening to this and you're opening a restaurant, restaurantowner.com. I highly recommend tools like that. There's also technology that forces you into systems because all technology is is a, is somebody who created a system and basically turned it digitized it right and like you can try to create your your system from scratch and make it as good as the technology that's out there today or you can plug it into your business but those 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 technologies serve as checklists they they force you into the mold of the things you have to do i'm thinking of restaurant systems pro our sponsor right now uh, you when you sign up for a tool like Restaurant Assistance Pro, they hand you the, the a stack of systems, and they say, "Do all these things, and close all these boxes, and you will be successful." Those tools weren't there for you. You literally had no idea. It what wasn't to anything do. when we started. Yeah. Um, so I know we had. And I think the fact that you made it ten years with just kind of winging it. 89 to 98, yeah. Is a, is, a, is a real testament of your success when you consider all things. Mm-hmm. Most, people, most restaurants Keep mo- on going. Most restaurants don't last. A year. A year, let alone five years. Like I think 80% make it to five years. And, and have raised three children. And, and raised three children. And keep up and with everything. And side hustle. Yeah, and keep up with what they need to do, school back and forth, what needs to be done. And you... Guys, what else do you want to say? Did I cut you short? No, it just it, sorry. I mean, we there's just, a dog crying in the background. He was causing trouble. We had to we had to kick him out. <laughs> so um, yeah, and to keep up with it, and everybody used to say to me, "I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do it." And I just thought, "I don't know how I do it. I I don't have an, I don't have an, I don't have a choice. The survival. What would be my choice to stop? No, I can't stop. I just have to keep doing it. Right. Um, but I do want you to know that I always felt like I was a part of a successful family. Mm. That makes me feel good. Damn it. Emotions. <laughs> well, I know. I, even, I've left my mark in these kinks and I can say that. I know even your sister, when she said when she applied for college 
applications and she you know she always used what she did she's like you know i work with my parents i talk with customers i you know she was comfortable speaking with people and i think you were too you always had an ease with talking to people because you'd You'd sit at the, you know, you'd sit at the counter. I'd sit at the and, throne when Dad wasn't in it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you'd sit at the counter, and somebody would say to you, "Looks like a don't, looks like a what was it? Looks like a donut or well, something." Well, people like want to be recognized. They want you to, mm-hmm. and that was one thing I knew about people. You have to, you had to learn their names, say hi, build a relationship with them, yeah. so they felt welcome, and give them a good meal, which we did. You did, and um, you know, it's it's just one of those things. It's like. <clears throat> No matter how, like how successful, quote unquote, you are, no, no matter how much money you make, you won't ever get satisfaction. Satisfaction. Usually, I'm not the one that's at a loss for words. <laughs> the satisfaction, the feeling of love, and this, yeah. the like, I couldn't, I couldn't get away with the shit when I was a kid because everybody knew who I was. I couldn't. I couldn't ride my bike in the middle of the road without somebody telling you guys that I was riding my bike like an asshole. You know, like. <laughs> I just remember thinking to myself as a kid, like, holy shit, I can't get away with everything when, when your family knows everybody. But at the same time, I'm more great. <laughs> Jesus. I'm more grateful for the two of you. Well, thank you. Look, I don't cry. You're getting me to almost there, so be careful. <laughs> I never cried in public talking. <laughs> to people about this, like, oh, just well, like people can, are like, why do you do this? You so I'm like, because I, n- I never want to see a family who's loved. Thank you. Struggle. And she hasn't killed me yet. Yeah, and it's not. I'm not <laughs> trying to say you guys did anything wrong because you did nothing wrong. You did so much right. And it's a problem when people do so much right and they can't be successful fiscally. Yeah, you were successful. And I want you to know that. Thank um. I don't think I ever told you. Well, thank you. <laughs> I'm like half laughing and half crying at myself right now. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> this is this is why I wanted this to be episode 1,000. I get it. It was weird talking to you guys about this, treating you like a normal guest. It really was. Uh, but, you know, it... It's just it just it was important to me that I I recognize, holy shit, like I can't believe they they did ten years of this. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't easy. Um, and we would have gone longer. There's a story behind that too. So yeah, we had a ten year lease, or was it two five year leases? No, it was a t- it was a yeah. ten year lease, and then I was going to open up Uncommon's Fried Chicken because and I was going to location. It was a different location, great location, and. I was going to make it breakfast, lunch, but I was going to put a charbroil grill in because I know how to barbecue and do meats. What made it a good location? Yeah. Well, Connor. It's a Connor on two major, well, Route 107 and 108. It was on a Connor. Anywhere Very on a busy Connor intersection. is good because people have to stop. And when they stop, they see where you are. There is parking. Yeah, good parking. But I, uh, the, she was an elderly woman. Her right, husband had passed away. And I had made a, I made me made a deal with her, and I told her I would feed her for the rest of her life. And that was a good deal. She was yeah, eighty three. She was eighty three. <laughs> I told her I'd give her a free meal, let her live in a house, and feed her for the rest of her life. And she looked at me. She put her hands together. She goes, "Now I can rest in peace." She died that night in her sleep. Oh. So 
the restaurant went into probate, and so, they never opened up another one after and then, that. And the next day was going to be the day. Yeah, it was going to pass. We that gonna we're, we're going to sign papers. Yeah. Um, so you guys had a meeting. The next day, let's get together. We'll have the paperwork ready, and the restaurant will be ours. That night, she passed away. So I think I think the, I think somebody was trying to tell me something. So was, I, we just got out of the business. Yeah, and uh, I mean that's the thing. It's like if um, I feel like if you known what is available to you today, you would have had some type of i mean like right now like i take 10 percent of every dollar i make and it goes away into a profit account it's not my money it's not it's not it's not my money unless i'm buying an asset unless i'm buying something that's going to make me more money it's little tricks like this tricks of things that people that that rich people do you know to to, to build wealth is to to put money away in as if you if every as you're making more money that profit margin is getting bigger it's exponential right and then you're taking that profit and you're putting it into something else that's going to make you money and then you're going to take 10% of that and put it away and that's how people build wealth is by putting money away a percentage of profit and stuff like there's a bunch of things you can do but i feel like if you had that knowledge you would have had a runway you would have had two or three months to like say well where are we going to go cuz basically your lease ran out you were timing everything so basically you're going to be out of that restaurant and transition from that restaurant, move over your equipment to the well, new restaurant, right? That, but that wasn't my first intention when I started. I was going to just do it for 10 years and call it quits anyway. But again, the sheriff's department didn't work out the way it should have, and that was that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I think we kind of got to the end of the restaurant story. Um, I, I was worried that we weren't going to have enough time to do this. My mom's going to make it to a, a meeting tonight, and I was all stressed out running around, like, we're not going to make this happen, like... The, the interviews are so long, um, uh, but you know, really, um, I just wanted to to take this opportunity to uh, just to tell you like how grateful I am. Oh, well, thank mm. you. And all these years, I thought you weren't mad because I was dragging you everywhere, dragging you to the store. I hated it then. Make, <laughs> making you wash dishes at nine o'clock at night, so before you could go home, we'd go to the grocery store, unload the groceries, wash those dishes, put these dishes away, vacuum. I didn't have time to do it today, and 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 um, you know, you guys helped me out. You helped me too. I couldn't have do. I couldn't have done it without my kids. Right. Um. You know. So it's crazy to think that. You want to reflect back? I've been at this podcast. It's ten years sounds like such a long time, you know. I've been at this podcast for about as long as you guys owned the restaurant. Uh, I don't know. I just kind of realized that. Wow. It, it, right? Yeah. It, Flies. It does fly. It, it doesn't seem so like you've been doing it for ten years, but it felt like I was doing a restaurant. For a long <laughs> I bet time. It, it's felt like I've been doing this podcast for ten years. As much as I love it, and I do feel like it's it's a lot of work. I don't think people know how much work it is, the behind the scenes and. I think I learned a lot of my just shut up and do the work. Um, a lot of who I am today. A lot of the, the values. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. A lot of the values that I have that I've injected into this podcast. We made you tough. The reason it's successful is because of you. No. Oh. Talk closer to them, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. And people like, like when I think of like what I like to think of what the show is, it's integrity. You taught me mm-hmm. t- integrity. You taught me humility. Which is probably one of the reasons why I hate social media so much. 
Well, why? Because I don't like the idea of promoting myself. Oh. I'd rather do the work. Oh, okay. And uh, have the work speak for you. Mm-hmm. If the work's good enough, the people will talk about it. Right. And if you show up, you just keep showing up. And yeah. You keep making it about other people, putting the focus on other people and sharing other people's stories and seeing other people, making other people feel valued. Like that's what, that's what, you know, I think that's why it's successful. And the best compliment I get from people who listen to the show is it's real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you keep making the pancakes big enough and you keep making the steak and cheese subs while they're falling out of the bread and you're making the hamburgers bigger than, than, that they're not even paying for themselves, but people keep coming back for them. But I think it goes to show, even when you're not charging what you need, like when you're literally giving food away and you love people and you have relationships with people and you take care of people and you're a part of the community. And not, uh, and I, I say it a lot, like when, when restaurants were being developed, like when, when they're, you know, if you go back 200, 300 years ago, when, they're, when the towns were being developed, you needed a restaurant in a town it was a part of like the rules if you wanted to create a town like you need to have a, a, an establishment a right, restaurant a right, pub a, right. a public house yeah. uh, and the people that owned those restaurants were literally mayors they were the people that ran those towns and I think that we've kind of lost that in the world of restaurants today where it is all about business. It is all about systems, processes and procedures and checklists and scale and, and, you know, making your, 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 you know, your stakeholders happy. And, um, I just, I think that there's, there's truth to that too, but you can't do that stuff with losing sight of what you did so well. Well, thank you guys so much, uh, for letting me, uh, make you episode 1000. I'm kind of worried about publishing this. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little embarrassed at how emotional I got, but this was a big deal for me. Well, thank you. I, I, I want to see it when it's one of the year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's going to be a lot of editing with the dogs. That's for sure. Sorry. No, it's all right. They're here. They're a part of the family. Um, so uh, we usually, we do a speed round. Um, I think this is just going to be a short episode today. It doesn't make sense. Uh, I, I think we'll probably just wrap up with the sponsors rolling at the end, and uh, maybe I'll do some solo stuff I, on my own. I, after this. Well, you don't want to eat. We're not going to eat. What I on would the like to say, oh. <laughs> I would like to say, Eric, is that we're very proud of you yes, as thank well, you. Yeah. and you. and the drive that you have, and the commitment that you have, and you never give up. Even so. though you always thought I was a prick, he <laughs> 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 ain't denying it. <laughs> Uh, I, mean, I I recognize a lot of myself in you, Dad. I really do. Yep. And as much as I I give you a hard time, I also recognize that I I'm a, I'm grateful for the parts of you. Yeah. <laughs> Why am I so yeah. emotional? Right now? It's so hard <laughs> to tell your parents. I'm grateful for the the parts of you that are like me. Oh yeah. Well, you, I see. I couldn't be fooled, and you always run into your mother, Ma. Ma, is she okay? Come over here. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, like the social emotional intelligence is really there. You know, and I think I definitely get that from you and both of you, or you both have that. Uh, so this is either going to be a huge disaster or a success this episode. I don't know which way it's going to go, but uh, it was success for us. That's uh, all that matters. I'll probably have some uh, follow up thoughts after this when I get my shit together. And I just want to say uh, we can continue another time too. <laughs> my mom's got to get going. So no, um, just because we can, we see you all the time. We I know. Talk we can, more. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. where to find us. Yeah. And I do. And part of the reason why I want to get you guys on the show, this is, Part of the big reason why I wanted to, to do this and going into the future, uh, this is kind of an announcement. So uh, I have all these cameras. 
I'm talking to my parents. I'm still sniffly from when I was crying. I apologize. Uh, but I, I will, on this note of being real and being vulnerable, and uh, that's my evolution, and I want to kind of uh, show more behind the scenes and show more of myself. Uh, so I'm traveling across the country. I'm trying to learn how to use these cameras, and I want to bring you, the audience, with me. If you haven't yet, head over to youtube.com slash restaurantstoppable. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, I'm going to be... Doing more uh, personal, more sentimental uh, reflection on the road. Uh, kind of just being much more intentional with the show in general. Journalistic uh, in telling a story. So there's a story, a narrative that I want to unfold as I evolve. Uh, and I really want to let the, the, the industry steer the show by talking to people and, and listening. And just having their stories, their their mentors, their people that they admire be who I talk to in the, the tools and services that are being recommended on the show. Uh, I want to start going to those headquarters and getting these companies on the show and learning as much as possible. Uh, and there's going to be a lot of behind the scenes. So if you guys have not yet, uh, please again, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, and uh, that's kind of the future of restaurant stoppable. And we're also bringing back the network. I have a community manager, Callen Miola. Um, she is based out in Arizona. Uh, she's going to be taking care of basically the network. So if, if you were in the network or if you've been thinking about joining the network and you've been on the fence, please head over to restaurantstoppablenetwork.com and be a part of that. And we're, we're really going to be using uh, the minimal viable product approach with the network, which means we know that our job is to connect you, our listeners, with the tools, services, and individuals being referred to us organically on the show and honestly to connect you with each other and to be support for each other. Uh, but we that that's the foundation you know of what we want to do in the future of the network really is going to be dictated by the people who join the network and basically whatever you tell us you want whatever you tell us you need where whatever pain points you're feeling i don't have all the answers but i know somebody who does i know somebody who i can connect you with and that's and that's really what I, the the future of the network is going to be about is it's literally my network who who do i know who can serve you if you're new to the industry and you don't know where to turn and you don't know you don't know shit. You don't know anything, like my dad felt when he got into the industry. I did it as blind as blind could be. And you don't have to be alone. You don't have to do it alone. There's people out there that have knowledge that are willing to share it with you. And I know a lot of them. Um, so if this if this resonates with you and you don't want to be alone and you want that support, you want that community of people sharing knowledge. Uh, in, in we're here to serve you. So uh, those are the big things going into the, the new year beyond a thousand, um, getting more personal, getting more, more behind the scenes and really existing to serve you guys. So um, maybe there'll be more after this. I don't know. I might continue going, but we got to wrap it up here in a, this is where I get to say mom, dad, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks Eric. It's been fun. It's been fun. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for making me feel unstoppable. <laughs> <laughs> be unstoppable and you guys honestly the both of you are, are truly unstoppable thanks we love you i love you too yep okay <laughs> <laughs> sap all right so there you have it um my mom and my dad uh, i couldn't think of a better way to celebrate a thousand episodes uh than to share the story of the people who inspired me to uh, you know, not only inspired me, but gave me the values and the ethics to be able to do what I've accomplished in achieving a thousand episodes. So um, thank you guys so much for being my inspiration. Thank you for being amazing parents, for giving me the values and the work ethic 
that I needed to get here. And, um, I just love you guys so much. And I mean, part of the reason why I chose to go with my parents for a thousand episodes is because going into the future, I I really want to open up, be more vulnerable, let you in more. I have these cameras that I've invested in. I'm going to be on the road. I want to take you, my listeners on the road with me, uh, bring you behind the scenes, take you through my own evolution, show my work of what we're doing here at restaurant unstoppable and how we're, um, you know, show the work of why we're just how we're going above and beyond, uh, and you know to really inject as much integrity into this thing as possible. So um, now we're going to talk to the Restaurant Unstoppable Network team. So this is uh, something we've done in the past. Uh, we call it getting personal, where we really just take our listeners in on the narrative behind the scenes. Uh, we reflect on the past year since doing, or I think this time, past couple years uh, since we last did a getting personal where we are now and where we're going and uh yeah just bringing you guys into the mix and uh bringing you into the conversation uh before we bring on the team just want to take one quick break to thank our sponsors we'll be right back recently on the show you've been hearing it come up often restaurant systems pro if you've become interested i highly recommend you sign up for the restaurant system pro 60 day pilot program this is something that's never been done before this 60 day event is at no cost to you but it's not for everyone fred langley ceo of restaurant systems pro will be leading a group of restaurant tours through the restaurant systems pro software and setting up the system for your restaurant Fred will be leading the training, supporting you, and holding you accountable. Typically, this costs $10,000 a month to have Fred in your restaurant, but during this no-cost-to-you 60-day training, he will be teaching you every process he does during the group coaching sessions, and nothing will be held back. During the 60 days, Fred will walk you through the Restaurant Systems Pro process and help you crush the following goals. Recipe costing cards, guidance in your books for accounting, cash control, sales forecasting with accuracy, checklist, budgeting for the entire year, scheduling for profit, more butts in seats, and that's not it. Often, the team at Restaurant Systems Pro helps restaurateurs out pro bono because their hearts go out to these folks. I mean, it's hard out there, but because of that, a lot of the time these restaurateurs don't follow through because they have no skin in the game. For that reason, there is an application process. Only those serious about making change in their operation will be accepted into this program. Are you interested? Then go to restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. That's RSP for Restaurant Systems Pro. Restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. This episode is brought to you by One Huddle. One Huddle is a coaching and development platform using quick burst mobile games to more quickly and effectively level up and fire up your workforce. One Huddle provides a mobile first approach to preparing the modern worker, a library of 3000 plus quick burst skill games and the option to instantly create personalized content. One Huddle is changing the way restaurants develop their workers by transforming the traditional manuals and videos into deceptively simple, highly effective mobile games proven to level up workers quickly. Let's get into some of the facts. So with one huddle, you can onboard employees 45% faster than traditional methods. And there's actually a study done by the University of South Florida that has proven you can train your employees 45% faster using games on one huddle versus traditional micro learning and video based learning. 
This new and improved way to educate your staff will translate into increased sales because you're creating more consistency with the guest experience, both front and back of house, i.e. menu development, menu memorizing, POS, limited time offers, food costing, things like this. You're looking at a more engaged worker, too, because they're in competition with themselves and the entire organization. This stuff is powerful. Right now, head to www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash one, like the number one, and huddle like a football huddle. And if you use that link, you can get 90 days access to One Huddle's game shop, which includes 3,000 plus on-demand skill games on everything from bartending to serve safe to the latest Amazon best-selling books and so much more. Again, that's restaurantunstoppable.com slash one huddle. And you have to use that link. This is a cost per acquisition agreement, meaning we get paid per lead that goes through that link. So if you are finding value in this podcast and you want to support, please use this link. And it's, it's a testament to how much we believe in one huddle that we're willing to do this. So thank you in advance. This episode is brought to you by Ovation. Creating a great guest experience is the goal of every restaurant every time. But the ways to find out what's actually happening with the guests are terrible. Long surveys are annoying. Nobody likes to take them. Table touches aren't scalable. And every negative review costs you 30 new customers. Ouch. That's where Ovation steps in. Ovation gets happy guests to leave positive reviews, unhappy guests to share what happened, and it gives you specific ideas to improve. Using a simple two-question survey, guests either click a text message they get after placing an order or scan a QR code to easily answer, how was your experience? Happy guests leave five-star reviews and can be invited back with automated text marketing. And unhappy guests share privately what went wrong so you can resolve your concerns in real time. Then the magic happens. Ovation takes all the public reviews and all the Ovation private feedback and analyzes them in a single simple view so you can know exactly what to fix and where. It's frictionless for your guests, easy for your managers, and powerful for you. If you're interested in actionable guest feedback, visit OvationUp.com slash Unstoppable. Unstoppable listeners get $100 off their setup fee. What are you waiting for? That's OvationUp.com slash Unstoppable. All right. Now, let me start off part two of this Restaurant Unstoppable 1000th episode. So I don't even know how I'm going to do this. I think I'm just going to roll into it like I would with any other episode with excitement. Allow me to introduce to you myself, Anna Tazin, Calamiola, and Jared Parisi. Uh, I would say three, f- or yeah, we're four fifths of what is now a restaurant unstoppable. Uh, Chris Earl Hanley could not make it today. Are you guys feeling unstoppable? Yes. Yes. I had a yeah. beer at my last meeting, so I'm feeling really oh, man. unstoppable. I know. Anna's going to be off Didn't the hinge. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if I heard you, Callan. Did you say you're feeling unstoppable? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. Oh, yeah. So uh, this is getting personal with Eric and friends. Uh, this is, the th- I think, the third. Jared, correct me if I'm wrong. Is this our third or fourth getting personal? I might be at the fourth. I was trying to think about that earlier. I think it's the fourth. Pretty right. sure it's the fourth. And this is something we do um, during milestones, big events um, every year or so. And uh, this is episode 1,000. 
So that's that's a pretty huge milestone right there, I would say. And yeah. uh, I'm just psyched that you guys were uh, able to join me today to reflect on the past couple of years, um, uh, where we are today and where we're headed. This is just something I kind of do to keep you, my listeners, kind of in the loop of what's happening here, what we're doing to serve you, uh, and my own personal evolution as just you know a host, but also as a person. Um, and Anna's already Stop. distracting me with chats. with chat <laughs> messages. I think Callan sounds fine. We'll get her a, a better microphone eventually. She's doing good. Okay. She's doing good. Um, but uh, really, we're yeah, we're just here to kind of uh, spill our guts and talk about the last year. Uh, and it's been a huge couple past years, honestly. I think it was it was the last getting personal to twenty twenty. Uh, yeah, I, I think it was you and I in your apartment. I think yeah, and I so at least a year and a half or two years ago, so twenty twenty one ish. And where we were then, I should probably have list. I should have listened to that episode before going live. I, it's always interesting to find out if what I said we're gonna do is actually what happened. <laughs> um, I'd be interested to listen to that after we record this today, but, uh, the past year has been kind of crazy. Um, we've committed to 100% onsite interviews. We actually accomplished it with the exception of this video, which is being recorded remotely because our team is all over the country. Um, we had Sam Hall from savandsam.com join us, uh, to do the videography and he was amazing. He taught me so much. I had no idea how much was involved with videography. Um, <clears throat> and um, it's just, I don't know. It's been a blast. I, I feel like I'm doing all the talking right now. Um, Jared, what's going through your mind? I feel like you're the, the second closest to Restaurant Stoppable. Uh, I think what you just mentioned there, I think a really important thing that you just mentioned there and something that I, you know, you have said all along and I agree with and I think I pushed for it to get us over the edge to do it is the hundred percent on-site interviews. I think because, you know, I agree with this and you believe that they're better that way and you prefer doing them that way, then committing 100% to on-site only interviews is definitely the way to, the way to go and completely and totally sets restaurant unstoppable apart from other podcasts yeah. in any genre, not just about restaurants, but I think, I don't think it was the craziest. I mean, it's impressive, but you've wanted to do it anyway, so I think it's good. Like that is a very cool thing and a thing that I think we should be proud of. I'm proud of it. Thank you for acknowledging. Um, I'm proud of it. It's fucking hard. I'm just gonna go ahead and say that it's been hard. It's not easy what we have done. Um, but I, I, if I'm trying to put myself in my position, then a year and a half, two years ago, the thought was the audio quality is better. The connection with the guest is better. The relationship that comes from that interview is better. The, the the I think the conversation in general is better because you're in the same room and you're reading body language. You're reading. You're picking up on energy. The 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 pre and post interview chats always lead to more uh, more connection with the guests net, network and helping me understand that market. Um, it's better. And I agree. I think it's worth it. And the, the goal is to continue to go in that direction. But the question is, how do we do it even better going forward? And um, so I get, I mean, with that being said, I mean, does anybody want to jump in? I don't want to just hog. The I mean, mic. you got to add 
you get food too, Eric. You actually get I to get taste to feed it. You. Yes, and then I think that's that's part of the 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 it's better mentality. Is it's not I'm getting fed the food. I'm experiencing the hospitality, and that happens a lot. Not at every interview, but when it when it makes sense, it happens. Um, and that's opportunity for content. That's opportunity for B roll. Bringing the cameras in, bringing the listeners in behind the scenes. Uh, and that's really going forward what we want to do when it, in, in respect to Restaurant Unstoppable, the podcast, that's the future. Jared, your hands up. Go for it. Uh, yeah, I think uh, one thing I would like to say, just to top that off, is like I think inarguably it's better. What is even more impressive is can you do it and you have done it and you are doing it and you have been doing it. And so it's like, I don't think there's any argument as to whether it is or is not better. No offense to anyone who records podcasts remotely. I, I do did. it all the time. I started remotely 400 uh-huh. episodes, but it's like, you, can you do it? Yes. So the next question is, and that's what we're here for. What else can you do when I'm in person in the future? No, no, no. I'm saying what, since the question was, can you do a full year of only onsite interviews since the, since the answer is yes, what's the next, what can we try to do that? We don't know if we can do it or not. So, I think the the biggest challenge for me over the past year and a half of recording 100% on-site interviews is trying to cram 10 interviews in a week. <laughs> on-site, which doesn't sound like a lot, but they're on-site. Uh, we do have standards, so it's also trying to find 10 people who meet our standard in, an, in a geographic and to make it organic, which is the really hard part because what we're trying to do I'm trying to remove myself from the decision-making process of who becomes a guest on Restaurant Unstoppable. I, I'm trying, to, how do we do it better going forward to kind of answer your question is how do we let the industry steer the ship? How do I just show up in a community and have three or four people on my radar in that community who are leaders in that community, get them to open up and to say, hey, you should also talk to these people while you're in town because success recognizes success and people in that community know that community better than I could ever know that community. And honestly, I don't, I don't want to be steered by publicists in mainstream media. I don't want to get my, my inspiration from the major publications of the world because they all have their, they all have their, their, what's the word I'm looking for motives. They have, they have, other reasons that they have their own reasons. I don't want to get, speculate too much into that, but I want this to be authentic, real and genuine and organic. And I think the only way to, the best way to do that is through word of mouth. Anna, you're making faces at me. What, what were you thinking? I always, I always make faces. Um, I think I wanted to chime in on what Jared was saying. It's like how to make this better. And I think that I know whenever you're done with your 10 interviews over a course of a week, you are exhausted. You just want to get home or like move on. But I think having the opportunity to meet with that community in some sort of like happy hour or breakfast or industry get together of some kind in those cities would really be amazing. Yes. Um, Hosted by the people that you're interviewing that week. Yeah. I mean, however it comes together, I'd I'd love that for sure. Um, And I, I just realized that I totally screwed up. I was supposed to let you guys all introduce yourself. Um, also, my my comment was a rhetorical question. It was an inspirational uh, lead up to uh, this getting personal. No, we're we're a little over the place, but we are out of order. But I do want everyone here to introduce themselves real quick before I start talking about what we're going to do in the future. So, Jared, I'm always referencing Jared in every episode, almost. So I'm always saying, "Hey, Jared, edit that out" or whatever. I make fun of myself, but uh, Jared, who are you? 
My name is Jared Parisi. I'm the uh, founder and owner of uh, Sumadre Podcasts, which is like a podcast editing service. Basically, my number one client is Eric Ketchtori and the Restaurant Unstoppable Podcast. Uh, I've been editing your, I've been editing Restaurant Unstoppable since 2016. Uh, for a little while there, it was like off and on, but I think since like I think I've hit publish on every episode since like probably like I don't know 600s. But I, when I first started, it was in the 300s. So, yeah, I've been, uh, I do some of the social media, some of the copywriting. Any I of the do stills the, that uh, you see with the waveform over it, that's Jared. Yeah. Um, but I also, I host my own podcasts. I've created like mini series podcasts. Uh, I edit other people's podcasts, not just Restaurant Unstoppable. But my main focus in terms of Sumadre is restaurant unstoppable. You know, it takes up the most amount of my time and I think it's the most impactful one that I work for. Uh, so, um, thanks dude. Kind of me, I guess partly. And I do (laughs) want to tack on a little bit more about Jared. So Jared and I met at a, in a restaurant working together. We knew each other for a few years before he ever came and started helping me with restaurant unstoppable. And, um, Jared, since the first day I met him and worked with him, I was impressed with his intention to detail and ability just to get the job done. If you give him a set of instructions and an expectation and a standard, he will crank it out and he will never miss a day of work. And you're the most dependable person I've ever worked with, dude. And I mean that sincerely. Thank you. I also have, I have two industry jobs like right now. I work in a tea coffee wholesaling uh, place called White Heron. I also work uh, on a farm that has like uh, food events, I guess you could call it. Um, And yeah, it's cool to work in the industry while also working for this podcast. So yeah. So yeah. So I've been been in the industry since I was 15. So pretty much without leaving. Thank you. So Anna, I've known the second longest. So we'll go to Anna next. Anna, who are you? Sure. Um, hi, my name is Anna Tazen. I'm the principal of a company called The Good Kind Consulting. We're a strategic marketing firm, and I work with B2B and now restaurant companies as well to do their marketing. So it's it's really fun. Ne- never a dull moment. Um, right now, I have a couple technology clients and uh, a couple restaurant clients who have me do their marketing, anything from digital marketing to social to content creation to branding, things like that, um, kind of fell into it. I've been in the restaurant and technology space for a very long time, and that's how Eric and I originally met each other. You were one of my first um, 100 guests, as a matter of fact. I was. I was. I don't remember the exact number, but it's sub 100 for sure. I think it's like 43 um, or something like that. I know we got to look that up. Um, I'm also the president of La Dame's Descafe here in Austin. Uh, supporting women in the culinary and hospitality industry is really important to me. Um, it's something I remind Eric about all the time. Don't get me started. <laughs> uh, because I think that's really important. And he's done a really good job at diversifying his, his interviewees, which is really nice. Um, yeah. And so we've known each other for eight years, I think, Eric. I'm not entirely sure. At least. Um... At least. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know why your episode's not popping up. Were you on a more recent episode, like five seventy five? I was. So I've been on two episodes, That's and right. then during the pandemic, you came over to my apartment, which was like not appropriate because uh, we were supposed to be quarantining. And you were like, "Let me talk to you about what's going on with restaurants in Texas," because I was working for the Texas Restaurant Association at the time. So that was really fun. I remember you brought me a cold hamburger, but it was really, really welcomed. So thank you. Um, and I want to say something about Jared because Jared is like 
one of my favorite people, I don't think he realizes how big of a fan club he has because every time he opens his mouth, which is not that often, it's always very pointed and really, really insightful. So man, thank you, Jared, for taking care of Eric for a so long. man a few words, but when the words do come out, they have impact. That's for, for sure. sure. I was close. It was episode totally 46. All right. Yeah. That's early. Um, yeah. So uh, obviously so far we're in, already in great company. And am I cutting you short or should we move to Callan? In the newest member of Restaurant Unstoppable, Callan Miola. Callan, go for it. Hey, everybody. Yes, my name's Callan Miola. Um, I have to say this is definitely my first time being publicly recorded. So <laughs> thank Natural. you for this opportunity. Oh, geez. Um, but yeah, so I started my career in the restaurant industry, like most people in high school. Um, I really fell in love with it, though. Uh, I was working as an assistant to the pastry chef um, at a local bakery in Austin and thought that that's what I was going to do for my career. So after three attempts to get into pastry school, though, none of them worked out. They all fell through. So I, I rethought and maybe realized, okay, maybe this isn't what I'm supposed to do. Um, so at that point, I kind of transitioned into the tech industry, focused on um, customers and kind of creating great experiences because that's what I've always known. I've just loved people and love learning about them. And so wanted to try to do that in some way without necessarily being in the restaurant industry. But with that being said, I've always really tried and wanted to get back to the industry. Um, I even explored starting my own concept. That's how I got connected to the Restaurant Unstoppable. <laughs> um, and as Eric sometimes mentions on some shows, he talked me out of it. Um, I kind of realized that that was, I wasn't cut out for the lifestyle. Uh, so everyone out there that owns a restaurant, you are truly badasses and way cooler than me. Um, but anyway, so all that being said, I'm so excited to be back connected to the industry, um, to be part of this team. Uh, yeah. And so I, I should say what I do here. Um, so I'm the new community manager for the network. Um, and kind of the way that I'm seeing myself and I, I think hopefully Eric agrees with this is um, I kind of just see myself as being like a host at a party. So my goal with the network is to kind of give you the tour when you join the network um, as like a party, show you where the food and the drinks are, and then kind of let you mingle on your own, um, get to know people. But if I know that there's someone or something that you should know about, um, I'm making that connection for you and kind of introducing you. Um, so yeah, super excited network to be here. Network glue. Yes, network glue. Yes. Okay, I'll, I'll change yes. it from host to glue. <laughs> Gluey host. Uh, and there's two other people here that I think, not actually here, but I want to give acknowledgement to. Uh, I, I absolutely want to acknowledge Sam Hall for the work he's done in the past year. Uh, if you've been, if you've subscribed to our YouTube channel or you follow us on Instagram, the beautiful videography is 100%. Uh, thanks to Sam Hall. He's done an amazing job. Uh, and he really helped us set a standard for what we can do with videography. Um, and he, he's no longer working with restaurant unstoppable. And I'll just be straight up honest. It's because I can't afford 
him. He's too. He's worth every penny he charges, and it's more than I can afford right now. Uh, but what he did in, over the past, we've been working together for over a year now. I want to say we worked to almost a year and a half together. He fast tracked us to where we are, and he gave me a clue of what it means to do so to do videography. Uh, and I would not be able to do what I'm doing right now on my own if it wasn't for him to show me. For if it wasn't for him showing me the way. Uh, so. I wish we could be still working with together, but I, I, it's just, you know, it, it, maybe it was a little too soon, but I'm super grateful for where I am because of him. And, uh, the second person I want to introduce is Chris Earl Hanley, somebody who I've actually known the longest out of all the people here. Uh, we started working together when I graduated college. He is like the biggest nerd I know, which is awesome because he's just by nerd. I mean, he is a, a go, go gadget kind of guy. Uh, like he just figures things out and like he is, he also has a British accent, which I just think is like so perfect because Batman has a guy with a British accent and 007 has a guy with a British accent that like helps out. What, what's the, I'm not, Double not Eric, he's British. British yeah, but he's he not, is, but he who's, just have an but he has, he's but what's that British. guy? He has a Q. guy. Q. <laughs> yeah. So Are like you his nerdy yourself Bruce Wayne. I yeah, I'm not saying I'm not comparing myself to the likes of Batman and 007. <clears throat> you are. But someday if I keep on showing up I might be as badass as Batman. Um but I'm saying every everybody needs their technical support. Uh and that's how I see Chris and he's also he also had his own videography in Aerial Drone Company. So he has helped us kind of He's kind of taking over the the video editing. So I'm going to be shooting. He's going to be editing. And that's the team. So we're a team of five right now. Uh, and it's amazing. And uh, I, I, I'm, I honestly don't think I could ever be successful unless I surround myself with the people, the kind of people I'm currently surrounding myself with. Uh, and that's one of the biggest lessons I've learned here at Restaurant Unstoppable. It's behind every great restaurant. It's a great person. Uh, and the journey of becoming successful is, is really in attracting onto yourself other great people and people who are strong where you're weak. Uh, and that's kind of been my goal over the past couple of years is recognizing what I'm good at and realizing that if we're going to scale this thing, it's going to be because of the people I surround myself with. Uh, and I, I think I've done a, an amazing job at surrounding myself with people who are way more intelligent than I am. Uh, so thank you guys for being here to help me out. Um, and on that note, where would you say we are right now? I'm curious from your perspective. Where do you guys think we are right now? Who wants to go first? This is I'm putting you guys on the spot. We're getting looks. I think I think we're in sort of a reset period. Yes, I think that's fair. To be completely honest. Yeah. Like I, I think that's where we're at. I think that we learned a lot over the last year. You you guys have definitely learned a lot. Sam brought a lot to the table. And um it's one of the things I wanted to talk about. Like, um, you know, at the end of last year, there were a lot of issues in restaurant technology and a lot of people weren't willing to put out the money for sponsorship. And unfortunately that stalled a little bit of the progress of restaurant unstoppable because frankly, Eric, you have a lot of integrity and don't take sponsorship dollars from just anyone. That's why you don't hear Jared cutting in spots for like me undies and things like that. Not that hey, you take me undies. Approach restaurant unstoppable. I think we can work something out. That man. Okay. Well. All right. Well, you don't though, <laughs> and which is really impressive. You know, you only take sponsorship dollars from companies that have been recommended on the show, which I think is really impressive. But it limits the number of sponsors that we can go after, and unfortunately, they were affected late last year, and I don't think they've quite recovered from from that. So the sponsors that you 
do have, I think are really wonderful and are willing to like stick it out and see the value in Restaurant Unstoppable, which is pretty impressive. But all that being said, like, I think you're in a reset moment, right? Like we're taking a look at the the dollars. I didn't say what I do, but uh, budget and worry. That's basically what I do um, for Restaurant Unstoppable. And I think there, this is a time of sort of reevaluating and focus on the things that are going to grow um, not only revenue, but also the the listenership as well, which is why you brought on Callan to work on the network. Um, it's why we're sticking with video content as well to get more listeners out there. Um, so yeah, I, I'd say that you're in kind of a reset moment, but not in a bad way. Yeah. Uh, Jared, I'm curious, as somebody who's been sticking around Restaurant Stoppable, you've seen the growth. Where would you say we're at? I think we have arrived at a reset moment because we're intentionally arriving at a reset moment. I think like 1000 is just, it's just a number, but at the same time, it's a good time to stop and say, there's not that many podcasts that have hit 1000 consistently the way you have two episodes a week, uh, sometimes three, sometimes one, but usually two. Like it, it's a good time to stop and say like, we could keep doing this for a thousand episodes, but what, could be better and why which is uh as of this recording it hasn't gone live yet but gavin Kaysen's episode goes live tomorrow and that episode was amazing episode 998 he was very uh he kept hammering home the whole point of like it's not what you're doing but why you're doing whatever you're doing and so i think you know, and like I, I often, you know, kind of to speak to what Anna said about me and how I when I, I only speak sometimes like and when I speak, it has impact. The reason is because I feel like, you know, I listen to literally every single episode and, and I challenge anyone listening to this to hit us up and maybe claim that you also listen to every single episode. Sean Lyons might have you beat. OK, well, <laughs> that's fine. but. But the point is, I think I'm a pretty good person to stop and be like, but why? Like to you, Eric, or whoever is bringing forth an idea for Restaurant Unstoppable. So I think it's a good idea to have a reset moment right now. And I think the next question is like, whatever we reset to, it's like, why? And does it all add up in every possible way? You know, mission-wise, vision-wise, budgetarily, uh, what we want to do as like individual people and also as a team. So I see restaurant unstoppable. I mean, you know, sometimes I'm like, okay, I'll be honest. Sometimes when I'm listening to restaurant unstoppable, I go, I've heard this advice yeah, many times. I think, I think that when I'm listening to my right. guests, <laughs> but at the same time, every guest is great. I've never heard a bad restaurant unstoppable interview, but like sometimes interviews come along such as Gavin Kaysen, where I'm like, damn, like restaurant owner or not, you should listen to this person talk. So he, he was an impressive individual and it still blows my mind that he only worked in two restaurants before opening his own place. And one of those restaurants was a hotel restaurant, which isn't a a restaurant in my opinion. It's a completely different, it's a restaurant in the sense that they're serving food, but the economics of a hotel restaurant is not the same. That's what I meant. Anna keeps making looks. And then whenever, every time I correct myself, it's usually because I get a, I got daggers from Anna. Um, (laughs) Okay. <laughs> uh, Callan, uh, I want to give you a chance to, I know you're just, you're new to the group, but what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I think even as a listener, because like I said, that's how I started. I think it's, it's been really interesting to 
literally like a fly on the wall, kind of see your evolution in the questions that you're asking, um, just the way that you approach each episode. And I think that just speaks to, like you always say, you are a student and you're constantly growing and adapting and taking in new information. And I think, honestly, that's something I really respect. And so I hope that, and I would assume that all the listeners also respect that. And so understand that, yeah, a transition reset point is is truly the only way to like live life. Like we're constantly getting new information. So we have to stop and like evaluate it and figure out what next steps look like now that you have this new information. Um, I think it's funny, just uh, Jared said about listening to the same or hearing the same advice over and over. Like to me, that's like, hello, that means it works. Um, so like, I think thinking about what we can do better, it's maybe being really clear about those things that we hear really often and making those into resources and like doing a better job compiling that for the community, you know? Yeah, I agree. 100%. Um, and just kind of reflecting on what the four of you just, three of you just shared, um, I think I've been living my life in surges and like the history of restaurant unstoppable has been a surge and then it's slow down to speed up a surge and then slow down to speed up. And those are big lessons I've learned in the show is that you have to slow down to speed up. Sometimes you, you have to take a few when you're in it, when you're on the line, when you're the chef of a restaurant and you're, you dress open and you're in that kitchen every day, your head is down and you're not paying attention to what's going on around you. And every once in a while, you got to let this, the chef de cuisine step in, take over so you can just take a, a big picture assessment of where am I? Am I happy? Is this what we said we wanted to do? Is this what I continue to want to do? Is this is it's like a Venn diagram of is this serving restaurant unstoppable audience? And is it also serving Eric Cacciatore in his like in his like happiness and like this is what I want to do? And it's trying to find that balance while also maintain integrity as I go. And it's not an easy job to do. Uh, but over the past two years, really um, or the past since the last getting personal, really what I've learned is that I love the idea. I think what I'm good at, what my natural skill is, is bringing people together. Uh, I, I have this ability to bring people together for whatever reason. And, but, and I, and I love to be a host. I think I'm good at being a podcast host, but I'm not good at attention to detail. And I do not want to look at a computer screen. I am literally the person that will drive across the country to have a conversation sitting here across the table from somebody and then doing it remotely. And I'm trying to remove myself from the, the, the attention to detail type work. The analogy I like to use is, is like, I'm like a speedboat where I like fly across the top of the water and I, I need to surround myself with like the work boats that are like, the tugboats and the submarines and like the the ones that are like that can slow down and and like do the work that's necessary to to make this thing profitable, you know. What and is last maybe we should be the anchors or the anchors. You guys don't like being called tugboats, do you? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, like really, it's just like you got to know what your strengths are, and you got to stay in your lane, and you got to surround yourself with people who are strong where you're weak. Um, and what I realized when I was, when I was focused, like during the pandemic, the pandemic forced me to start the network because I couldn't do, I moved to Texas. What was it? Three years ago, because I wanted to be in the center of the country so I can do what I'm doing now. And I could be in a place that was better for that. Um, the pandemic kind of helped me realize how important family is too. So I moved back to New Hampshire during the pandemic. 
I don't see myself moving away from New Hampshire. Um, but I do want to, but I do want to going forward, slow down while I'm on the road. And that was the biggest pain point for me over the last year is that we had to do, we're on the road one week every month. And that cadence was really hard for me that one week on the road, three weeks at home to get ready for the next road trip. And my whole time was spent planning the next road trip and trying to sell ad space to be able to be on the road. And frankly, it was, it was tough. Um, and it, what, what really makes it tough is the way that I want to take the direction I want to take the show in an organic type way. You need to be able to travel more open-ended. Uh, and that's kind of the direction I want to take restaurant stoppable, the podcast where I am on the road for three months. I'm hitting a geographical region. The next road trip is going to be to the Southwest, uh, with stops in maybe Kentucky and Texas along the way. Uh, and I'm, I might as well say where we're going to head to. Cause I, I want people who are listening to reach out to us. If we're, if you want to connect while I'm out in these areas, uh, we're probably going to stop in, uh, Louisville. If I said that wrong, I apologize. Louisville, 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 Louisville. Are you sure it's not Louisville? <clears throat> Anna, and you're muted. Crack at it. No, he's got it. It's not Louisville. 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 Not like Louisville. 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 If anybody's listening to this and you're from Louisville, they're going to correct us anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're stopping in Louisville. Uh, maybe Nashville too. There's some opportunities there. Um, Texas, Dallas, Austin. Uh, I want to hit up Denver, Colorado, Utah. Las Vegas and the California coast. And that's going to be over three months. So if you're in those areas, Oh yeah. In Phoenix, (laughs) I actually do intend to stop in Phoenix. I apologize, Callan. Um, I hope so. Yeah. So, um, are you going to, you're doing all that in one go? Yeah. Over three months. You're just going to leave for three months. Yes. Are you renting out your place? I haven't gone that far yet. I haven't gone that far. Okay. Um, but that's what I would like to do. Now I have to do it because I just said it out loud. Um, but what I think that will do and what I always notice whenever I go to a city, I always leave with with opportunities like in my dust. I'm like, God damn it. I wish I could stick around and follow up on these leads. But now what I want to do is go to these cities and have loose plans with key people in each city, but go until the job's done. And then when I feel like I've I've exhausted all my leads, go to the next city. Um, and the goal is to do one interview a day or four to five interviews a week. And that should give us enough content to have a three month buffer. So when I get back, I can actually work on restaurant unstoppable and not just be pull getting pulled away to the next road trip. It was too chaotic. Um, I honestly think this is why my health is kind of messed up right now. If I'm being completely honest is that it's a combination of, of constantly trying to find sponsors, find guests, and do it in budget. And I'm also driving across the country. Um, so I don't need to get too personal with my health, but my stomach's been messed up. I think. Yeah, I no, I think we galore. should get a little bit more um, personal. We're still kind of treating this a little bit surface level. So let's go a little bit deeper, Eric. I have a question oh gosh, for you. What did I just do? Okay, go okay. for it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so first of all, someone should sponsor Eric and send him some probiotics. That would be really helppful for his gut health. In the other room, maybe we should give them a shout out. Want me to go get those right now? No. Uh, are they working? What else do you have to say, Anna? It's been too <laughs> All right. Okay. Sorry, Jared. Um, okay. So Eric, at the beginning, you mentioned that like you moved back home to New Hampshire, right? Cause you wanted to be in your family and everything, um, which is really great. 
But like, how are you doing personally? Like, obviously you get to see your friends and your family and everything, but are you able to have any long lasting relationships? Like when's the last time you dated? Oh, now we're getting super personal. How am I doing um, personally? Um, I feel like I can say this sincerely that I do think I've self-actualized where I definitely have purpose. I feel seen. I feel valued as far as like, like my contribution to society and that I don't think everybody gets to say that. And I do think that I'm good at what I do not to sound too egotistical, but I think I have a talent for interviewing. Um, so in that guard, in that regard, I, I have complete autonomy, which I don't think other people get to say. Like I do what Eric Cacciatore wants to do, which is fucking awesome. If I have to say so myself, but <clears throat> be careful what you wish for <laughs> is the, the flip side of that. Because I also my my, if you know, looking at our core values, the number one core value is integrity. Do what you say you're going to do. Um, and I mean, I haven't been in, in a relationship since I know I have during the pandemic, I got in a relationship, but I think that was just because I was forced to stay in one spot. Um, I, I mean, I have friends and family, I guess, and I could be more fulfilled in that vertical in my life just to answer your question, but I don't want to make yeah. this whole thing about my dating love life. Um, it's not all about that, but I think that there is something to like having a companion, you know, and having a connection with someone that's not a friend or a family member. I can't that's tell all. if you're queuing me up because I constantly say, I wish I could find somebody to travel with. And mm-hmm. you given, do talk about that a lot, and, and, a lot. And, and you also talk about to wanting to be a dad. A, so a massive, like, like personal ad going out right now. <laughs> is that your yes. goal? What's happening? <laughs> Um, but I yeah. think, I think, I think if Eric ever actually did stop and, uh, enough to find like a special someone, then that would force him to change his life. Well, and I think, that, I think that that's the reality of most people. And I think you acknowledged it, Eric, in that you can do what you do because you have, I mean, we've you and I have yeah. personally gone over this. Anything like, I've discussed with you, Jared, you can say. I, I, well, I just like you have, you, there's no, uh, there's no living thing that depends on you besides you. I have plants. Which, which I know you have plants, but but that's <laughs> two of them. My point, is, my, point is, <laughs> my point is that's a rare thing. Yeah, like for most people. So, it, and on the one hand, it allows you to do what you want to do, but on the other hand, maybe you're not as fulfilled as you could be. And if you found whatever that may be in whatever form, then it would force you to change your life. But if you think your mission is important enough and you enjoy carrying it out, then you might as well keep going. There's a movie called uh, Spotlight and uh, Stanley Tucci's character says in it, he says, uh, he goes, why do you think I've never married? My work is too important. I'm not saying what you do is as important as his character's job, but it's a reality of like, a life that is constantly go, go, go. But do you think Jared, since we can talk about Eric as if he's not here, um, do you think it's interesting that he's chosen that life? As he Uh, eats salad? (laughs) Do I think it's, I think, um, I I think I know Eric pretty well, but I don't know him well enough to really know the answer to that question. I I think, I think uh, if you, I mean, honestly, on paper, what Eric does sounds amazing. And it probably is like most of the time amazing. I traveled with Eric for a while and it just wasn't for me. So like if you're able to do it and your work is important and like 
benefits others, uh, then I think it's worth doing. I don't know if I think, you know, and Eric's not, you know, he's south of 40. So it's not like he's like got his whole life behind him. You know what I yeah. mean? He can, yeah. he can do it for now and grow the thing. I mean, I, I, I really don't know, but I, I think that I think that Eric is a unique person who can do this, enjoys it while it is a thing that benefits other people on like a pretty large scale. So that's like a good thing. Uh, I don't think there's any immediate need for it to change unless Eric is deeply unhappy. And I don't think that that's the case. So if I'm being honest, I think the majority of my stress comes from not wanting to disappoint people and not wanting to. And honestly, fiscally, it's stressful because it's not it's not cheap to travel the country with a videographer um, to put up a videographer uh, to make sure the videographer is feeling comfortable and doing all this other stuff. And and that that was stressful. It's what's one thing to go when I'm on the road because I will live like a savage. I will sleep in my car. I will yeah. I, I literally put the food that people give me after interviews in coolers and eat it for days. And like I'm willing to like live like like a savage, like, like a nomad. But I didn't take into account that other people might not be willing to do that. Um, so I think I was a little forced out and this isn't, I'm not pointing fingers or blaming anybody. This is just kind of one of those things you don't know until you know. And that's kind of been my whole life philosophy is I don't, I don't do research. I just hurl myself into situations and go, (laughs) Oh, okay. Let's take a step back and reassess. That's one way to do things like that is, that is an approach. It's not necessarily the, the best approach, but it's the approach that works for me. Cause I don't like getting lost in the mundane of like research or other just go, Hey, is the water cold? I don't know. Let's jump in. Holy shit. It's cold. Um, we should get wetsuits and do this again. Yeah. It's a good idea. Like that's my life. Uh, I hurl myself into situations. I go, Oh, I didn't consider any of these things. We should step back like we're doing right now and say, how do we move forward to do this? Right? So, that I mean, that's my life. Um, so it has been a challenge with sponsors. Uh, we almost we, we we always find sponsors. It always works out. We're not always operating at 100 percent capacity with sponsors. Uh, but I mean, on that note, Anna, you have some pretty good ideas. I mean, well, let me actually give some context about sponsors. Mm. Uh, so when I started this podcast, the whole idea was, you know, I, I, I found my inspiration behind a few podcasters out there that had this whole men- mentality of show your work. So I was basically listening to like other podcasters who are podcasting about podcasting and blogging or passive income or marketing. And they were using those tactics on their listeners as they were doing it. And they were sharing with people, these are the tools I'm using to market to you right now in this moment. So there's a very unique structure to that and the idea of showing your work but what i'm doing is podcasting about restaurants and i don't own a restaurant so i can't tell the people here's what i'm doing in my restaurant and you should do it too i'm living vicariously through other people saying what are you doing in your restaurants and whatever those people are saying is what determines who i work with to promote on the show so i get regular emails from people who wants to, to want to sponsor the show, but I'm like, I have never heard of you. I'm not going to tell my listeners to use your services. If I don't know you from a rock, you know? Uh, so I always say, Hey, if you want to sponsor the show, you can, 
I can tell you where I'm going and you can tell me who's using your tools and services. And they, if they look like a badass organization that we should feature on the show and if they're willing to give a testimonial, then we can talk about sponsorship. And that's been the workaround. If there is a workaround uh, in full transparency, but that just slows things down. So Anna suggested, and I think this is a good way to kind of bring things back to where we're going and where we're headed. Um, I already mentioned, I, I want to slow down and spend more time on the road to be more journalistic into I mean, if I'm doing videography and everything, I, I can't do two interviews a week or a day. It's just not going to be possible. I need to slow down. And I also want to be more personal and let people in and, and use the cameras to kind of do more vlogging of like, here's where I am. Here's who I'm talking to. This is why I'm talking to them. Also, maybe going out to dinner with some of these restaurant tours and like setting up a camera and talking about the restaurant. I don't know. I have ideas, but I want to slow down and create YouTube content too. But we're also bringing back the network. And uh, the network's technically never gone anywhere. It just kind of went on like a uh, pause. What would you say happened to the network, Jared? You've been around. It took a hit. I'll be honest. It took a hit. Uh, it got less. There's a significant dip in activity from the people who created it. <laughs> <laughs> on I, it. I.E. Eric. Um, yeah. I got less active. Yeah. So when the pandemic started, the the network was my response to the pandemic because basically I needed to figure out how I was going to survive. Um, and I've, I've always also restaurant unstoppable is unique in the sense that there's no product or service behind restaurant unstoppable until the network. So a lot of other people who make money with podcasts, their podcast is literally just a content marketing arm for whatever service they have. And that's most restaurant podcasts other than mine right now, if I'm being honest. But what's what's different going forward is I knew during the pandemic that it was an opportunity to slow down and to create a product. I did not understand the amount of work that goes into running a, a successful, well-orchestrated community. And I also recognize that I'm not the person to coordinate it. <laughs> um. So that was kind of the lesson. And I also, if I'm being honest, I kind of resented the network for a little bit because I couldn't, it didn't allow me to do what I always wanted to do, which is what I'm currently doing, getting out and traveling and connecting with people in person. So I just want to say real quick, I feel like it, I'm going to loop it back to the network. I just want to give props real quick to uh, Sam Hall because he joined us for, he was awesome. And he joined us for pretty much every um, weekly meeting for a long time. And I really, really appreciated his uh you know, another person's perspective on what we're doing for Restaurant Unstoppable. And I really appreciate people coming in here uh, who, you know, like, you know, and trust Eric, who have time and time again, uh, proven to be like a good resource and a good addition to us. And I really appreciate other people's perspectives. I think Anna, from the beginning, you've been a very impressive uh, person, in my opinion. And Eric has said only very good things about you. And since you've joined our meetings, it's been really, really good to have your perspective and your resources and your knowledge and all that stuff. So now I actually am really curious, speaking of the network, like I want to hear a little bit from Callan in terms of like, when did you start listening to restaurant unstoppable and why are you here working, doing this? And like, did you approach Eric to be a community manager or did he approach you? I'm so curious. If you want to like answer those questions, I'd be very curious. Eric, do you care if we no. go down that path? I'm going to eat my salad. <laughs> um, so I started listening to it because I'll just to give you all the details. 
we, without being too long-winded, basically my husband's family is Italian. Like I said, I am from the, um, or whatever, started in the restaurant industry, always wanted to get back to it. He had worked in restaurants for a few years and like really gotten in deep, like 80 hours a week type thing. And ultimately I just started to hate the restaurant industry. But when we got together, it was always my evil plan that we would open up something together. Cause he's still like does all the cooking for us as an amazing chef cook. <laughs> um, so anyway, that's always been my plan. And then we were in a transition where he was between jobs and I was like, okay, I was also pregnant with my first daughter. I was like, this is the time when we need to open a restaurant or open a concept. Um, so I I kind of forced him into, <laughs> really, like forced him into trying to find resources and like make a business plan and like take all the steps. And so as part of that, he found Restaurant Unstoppable. Um, but again, I've always been the one kind of pushing us towards that path. And so I became the one that really kind of fell in love with the show and listened more religiously to the episodes and everything. And then we signed up for Rudy Mick's costing workshop. And so took lots of steps through that process, though, like I said, realized that we're, I like being connected to the industry more than being in the industry, I think, Um, for both of us. It just doesn't, with two kids, it doesn't make sense at the moment um so yeah so all that being said though like i really have enjoyed listening to the stories of restaurants and like i just love it and so i've stayed a, a listener then um i didn't mention but this past year i was working at a company called salad and go which is a concept here in arizona and now expanded to texas uh, that is a drive-through salad restaurant, or rather, just drive-through salad concept. So there's no indoors. Um, anyway, that was a really great experience. I finally got back connected to the industry. It was awesome. And then through that, like we're always talking about evaluating, I've kind of evaluated my life and realized that I wanted to be more of a stay-at-home mom and like really be with my kids my first daughter. And then, like I said, I'm pregnant now. So wanted to be home with them as much as I could. And so that resulted in trying to see if there was some way I could have some sort of part-time role, still connected to the industry, still listening to Restaurant Unstoppable. And then finally, to get back to the point, um, Eric mentioned on one episode, which I should probably find like, hey, at the very end of it, like, hey, I'm looking for a community manager. If anyone knows anyone, like reach out at this email. And I literally at that moment was on LinkedIn looking for jobs, like part-time jobs. And my husband was listening and we were both like, hmm, should I? Does this, is this Ironically, that's how I found Sam Hall too. Oh, really? Yeah, nice. I should probably start doing that more often. I need a marketing person that was willing to live like a savage on the road with me. If you're listening to this. <laughs> There's somebody out there, I'm sure. And if you're a uh, single female, even better. Yeah, exactly. If you want to date me, that would work. So, Callan, what... Here, delete that. <laughs> so, Callan, I guess just to wrap it up, like, what do you... Like, what do you... What are your ideas for 
the network or I don't know, like mm-hmm. I'm just curious what you think. So I think I'm, I'm super impressed that we, again, being really candid, that we still have any members um, with the little activity that's been going on. So yeah, again, I think that's content in there. Don't forget. Yes. So I think that's a testament to how good the podcast is and how much people like you, Eric. Um, so I think biggest points are like, we need to get more activity in there. We need to actually do what we say it was meant to be, which is a community, make it a place where people feel safe to ask questions. When people post a question, know that they're actually going to get a response. Like those are very, very easy things that we need to start with first. Um, I think that we can do a lot more with, we've, we've kind of talked a lot about this in past meetings, like this through line from an episode going through the network and like keeping the conversation going, maybe going deeper. Um, so figuring out what that looks like and using the podcast to create that engagement, to make it a safe space, to ask questions, to go deeper, to like, truly give you that space to connect with people that are in the same place of you or have already been where you've been and want to offer knowledge, guidance, a listening ear, etc. Um and then I think the other big thing is two big things is maybe bringing back some of those live events, um giving another resource place for people to ask questions and know that they are connecting with people um, again, that have been where they are or are experts in a specific area. And I think even myself, like I find myself wanting to ask questions of the guests when I'm listening to the podcast. So being creative about how can we give other listeners. Is your, is your question being answered, Jared? Yes. hundred percent. Respond to Callan's share. Your story definitely resonates. Yeah, like uh, you kind of sound like a guest in kind of the story you told of like wanting to be in the industry and all that stuff. Um, and I think uh, I agree. Like, you know, it's not something that Eric or, or I are necessarily. Uh, I guess it's been proven that we're not capable of making that happen in the network. So I'm very eager to have you on board and like try to get that stuff going. Um, and, uh, the fact that you are, sounds like you're very passionate about the industry is, is a good thing. Not just that you have the skill set to make it happen, but then you're also passionate about the industry and you want to talk to the guests. Like mm-hmm. that's going to be a major asset, I think. So I'm excited to see what happens there. Um, so I, I want to confess that, um, I, I intentionally let the network slide a little bit. I was put in a position where I had to choose, do I put more of my energy into doing what I love and what I'm naturally good at and that I'm uniquely in the position to do? And do I put all my eggs into that basket and have that be what gets us to the point where we can then pivot and attract onto ourselves people to grow the network? So I, I couldn't do both and I didn't want to do if I had to do anything, I want to do one thing really well. And I kind of feel like that's what we did with the podcast over the past year, adding over the video overlay, growing the YouTube. I mean, some wins, we went from 600 YouTube subscribers to, I think we're at like 1200 now, almost doubled hundred percent in the past year, which isn't like those aren't astronomical numbers, but it's, 
we moved the needle. I, I don't know exactly how much our Instagram followership went, but it was thousands of new followers on Instagram. So I think, right, Jared, correct me if I'm wrong. Mm, hundreds? I actually don't know. I think it was at least a thousand. So like we moved the needle and I feel like we've set the standard and we, we've definitely improved what we do in that regard. So like I'm happy with the past year, but now I'm, I'm at the point where we, we've established standards. I, I've gotten to the point where I can do the videography. I, I won't be able to do it as well as Sam did. I, I admit that, but we'll be able to, we're at a good starting point for a restaurant stoppable to do it in house. So I'm excited for, we're ready to grow that. Now I'm at the point where it's like, okay, we need to, we need to focus on revenue. If I'm being completely honest. And the best way I think we can do that is by, is by creating community, growing restaurant unstoppable beyond Eric Cacciatore. Restaurant unstoppable isn't Eric Cacciatore. Restaurant unstoppable is to inspire, empower, and transform the industry. Restaurant unstoppable's core values are we have integrity. We are students. We are teachers. We are communicators. We are collaborators. We show up and we have fun. So how do I inject those values into a community where people come to be a student first in a space where we understand that the industry is constantly transforming, that there is no one way to do things and that likely the one way you've been taught to do it is outdated. (laughs) And there's a million different verticals uh, that we can tap into there. And and I see your hand up. I'm on a tear. I don't want to interrupt your tear. Keep going. Go for it. No. What what, what is it? Well, so you you um you started to say something earlier in this recording, and you didn't finish your thought because you were also on another tear. But like <laughs> you're you're you were going to talk about how I ha- we have this idea of how to increase sponsors. Remember, you have this integrity where you only go and source money from sponsors that have been recommended, um, and you're we're looking now for others that people recommend. So, Callan, I know is going to post this on the network soonish but in the meantime if people do have um suggestions for companies that they've worked with that they're really proud of they can send them straight to eric right like that was one thing i just wanted to make sure like open yeah as long as they're recommended and like they're legit like yeah yeah so yeah absolutely so basically we're trying to find out ways we can still maintain our integrity and number one core value do what we say we're going to do um and I just think that we can create a community of people who are just, who recognize there's so much to learn and create support for that learning. And a lot of people who open their first restaurant, they don't have the network of restaurant tours yet. The people to talk to the people just to show up and be like, this is my challenge. Um, have you guys experienced this or just to get whatever's on your chest off your chest and to listen is a huge part too. But I think Callan also pointed out that we need to start taking like after a thousand episodes, like what do I know to be true? And how do we, if you're starting a restaurant today, how do, can we like chart a path for you? How can we get you a field guide of all the tools and resources and the things you need to be successful and prioritize those things for you? So you, you, if I was opening a restaurant today, I'd be overwhelmed if I had no experience. There's so much information out there and how do you know where to go and what's right for me? And there is no one way. And that's the other thing I've learned that, I remember when I was in Thailand with Jared in 2018, or was it 19, 19, 19, 19. We're, we're walking back from the market. I don't know if you remember me. It was when I gave the balut to that dog that day. Remember that? And the dog you wouldn't can... even eat it. Yeah, I do remember that. <laughs> it was that day. Um, and I was like, I need to start like committing to some of the things I've learned 
but I don't, but I remember in that moment, I was like, I don't know what I've learned. I don't know which parts are true and which parts are not true because there's so much contradicting advice out there. And I think that the truth is there is no one way and what works for some people doesn't work for every everyone. It, it depends on what your strengths are. It depends on what your values are. There's there's literally no one way to do anything. The, the, the answer to success, I think, is to learn all the ways and to figure out which ways work best for you. And I finally understand what my restaurant tours me when I celebrate them and I say, you're so successful. And they're like, I have failed so many times. That's how I feel. Like People look at me and they're like, you're so successful. A thousand episodes. This is your life. You get to travel and interview people. I'm like, Lady, I am falling on my face every day. You have no clue. I feel like I'm, I'm giving myself ulcers over here. Like, but at the same time, the the answer is sh- keep showing up, and and learn and and learn your in, in showing up in p- pushing yourself. You figure you learn more about yourself, uh, and and what might be right for you isn't right for everybody. But the more perspective we share. The, the better your chances are of finding your way. And that's what I want the network to be is a place to come sh- learn, share perspective, share what you're learning, lift up other people, pay it forward. And also to connect my listeners with the tools, service and is the tools, services and, and individuals who are being referred to us organically. How do we create an organic community based off of word of mouth in a world where everything is AI and like, we don't even know it's real on the internet anymore. Like word of mouth is still the most trusted resource of marketing. And how do we create community around this? And Jared, your hand is up. Go for it. I think, uh, this might be a little bit, um, too nitty gritty at the moment, but, uh, I think what you take from restaurant, like restaurant unstoppable is not, super in the weeds like this is how you run a this is how you do a PL. like that term is mentioned but it's not like this is how you do this this is how you grow customers like listen to me uh it's more like high level like that's why i as a person who i'm not completely and totally enamored or fascinated with the restaurant industry but i am able to listen to every single episode because it's a little higher level it's more about like how do you be a good person and also be a good business owner regardless of whether like you want to run a restaurant or not? Like I personally have been, again, Gavin's episode is very uh, fresh in my mind. I was influenced by what Gavin had to say because I mean, if Gavin was talking about like, this is how I grew my profitability last year in my fine dining restaurant, I'd be like half asleep over here because I don't own a restaurant. It's higher level than that. Like, the truths that come forth, in my opinion, in Restaurant Unstoppable are wide reaching. They're not just about how to be a successful restaurant. And I think that that's something you could lean into when it comes to this is what I know to be true now that you're at whatever it may be, episode 1000. Like Gavin's episode, especially, like just made me realize like some things that I could be doing, like for totally separate things outside of the restaurant industry. Like it's more about how to how to live intentionally. Yeah. And best operate within the business of the, the relationship game, I guess maybe it would be like the, how to interact with people in a business sense yeah. or in a business setting. Not, it's not about restaurants. It's not about like, like this is how you like, uh, hold a chef knife or like, this is how you grow your numbers. Like by this percentage, it's, it's it's higher level and i think that's what sets it apart and i think that's these are truths that won't change like no matter how many years go by the truths that come forth in my opinion in restaurant unstoppable are are forever i think the truths about 10 years ago about like this is how you do social media marketing that's no longer relevant so maybe just for you to think about 
what you want to pass on over at, at, at a thousand episodes. It's like these universal truths about business ownership, relationships within business, not, you know, like the other stuff that other people claim to be to be the truths all the time is what I want to say. I think you're right, Jared. And I think that that is a reflection of who I am. I think the, 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 the format of the show is a very good reflection of who I am and what I like to talk about. I like the big picture stuff. I'm a very big picture kind of person in uh and I, I, I like sharing the big picture. And I also, I, I, the show has evolved over time. I used to be more drilled down and get the nitty gritty. And, but then I learned that behind it, every great restaurant is a great person. And really what I'm trying to do in the interview is to, to teach people how to be good people and to help, help them see the big picture of how you go from getting involved in the industry to, to, you know, running the industry, you know, being at the top and it, you're 100%. It's 100. It's a, it's about relationships. It's about being a good person. It's about creating opportunity for others and constantly learning and constantly growing. With that being said, I think we do almost owe our listeners a service of, of getting to the point where we drill down. And I do think that is where the network comes in. And I'll be honest, that's not me. I don't want to do it. I don't want to talk about marketing. I don't want to talk about P and L's. I don't want to talk about any of that shit. I will go insane. I will. It's too slow for me. It's too, that's, that's submarine shit. Do you know what I'm saying? I need to be in my speedboat cruising across the country and meeting people and meet and, and sharing stories. And just like, that's what lights me up. But the network needs people like Callen and Anna. And I don't know how involved you're going to get in the network here, but people like you with your skill sets, Jared, who are able to slow down and who are good in the mud who are, are good at building things. And that's, I live in the fucking clouds. <laughs> like that is my sweet spot. And that's where I want to stay. And I think that you, you being here, everyone being here is a testament to what happens when you focus on the why, which is what I've been focused on. And I think we're just getting started. I think, yeah, just from my perspective, again, trying to have, spent months trying to navigate like what the heck do you do to open a restaurant for example it was like completely overwhelming and i still have no real idea to be honest like what steps what are all the things you need what steps do you take especially in arizona like state specific stuff um so i i do think the people that we capture as listeners who are initially interested in the restaurant industry and and starting or owning a restaurant or being in the restaurant like they do need that detail. Like it's not just a hobby. It's a literally I have to figure this shit out sort of thing, put all the pieces of the puzzle together. So I'm excited to see what we can come up with to bring that value of the details and the minutia for even just presenting one perspective of how to manage your P&L. Maybe we bring in multiple perspectives, but getting into that detail because I think yeah. – there's at least a large segment of our listeners and the network that need that. Right. That we can bring. Right. So the vision for the network going forward, if my job is to be out uh, in the field, turning over rocks, looking for leads, looking for word of mouth and asking and digging for that word of mouth. And then as the word of mouth is surfacing, we are funneling that the, 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 our findings to the network where we dissect it, where we go deep, where we have our experts, our, our technicians dissect it. And we bring our listeners in on that. And we, we look at everything and we challenge the status quo and we don't sell out to the highest bidder. We, we literally look at the research and if there's, 
whether it's Restaurant Systems Pro, Restaurant 365, in conjunction with Toast and all other other quote unquote best in class, whatever is whatever you want, whatever path you want will help put you on that path. But we're going to look at all of it and it's going to be a group effort. And I don't know the details of that yet, but I do know this, that the, that my, the, the job, our, our purpose in the network is to inspire, empower, and transform the industry. And we do that by slowing down, learning collectively, sharing what we're learning with others, communicating what we're learning and and collaborating with the people who do have the nitty gritty technical skill to come in and to teach us. And that's one thing I do have is is a network of a thousand plus people who've been referred to me organically that I can go to and say, Hey, we need help with this. Can you help? And we can learn and we can chart these paths. And um, literally, I don't know if our listeners are familiar with this term, but a minimal viable product is what Restaurant Unstoppable is right now. And in Eric Reese's book, The Lean Startup, he talks about this. Share your vision. Get it out into the universe. Get proof of concept. If you are listening to this and you want community and you want access to a list of tools and services and individuals who can steer you and guide you in the right direction, then that sounds appealing. If you don't want to do this alone anymore, then join Restaurant Unstoppable Network. Callan has been going to friggin' town the past week. I had no idea what she's accomplished. She is the right person for the job, and I cannot wait to see what happens in this thing because in the two weeks she's been involved, she has taken this thing far beyond I had ever done in a year and a half, and I'm so embarrassed to admit that, but it's true. And it's just a testament to where we're going. So if you want, if, if you listen to the interview before this with my parents and the origin story of Restaurant Stoppable, and if, if you resonated with my parents and what they had to go through over the 10 years they owned their restaurant, uh, and, if, and if all this resonates with you and if this, this, this vision of the future where it's by the industry, for the industry, working together to support each other, if that vision and like sparks you up, then head to restaurantstoppablenetwork.com and join because we can't do it without your support. Uh, and your your signing up is literally proof of concept, and it will help us get. Like we need, we literally can't do it without you. We need we need your support to push this thing over the edge. <clears throat> no, it's interesting. Like the the podcast itself is the high level stuff, the genuinely entertaining listening. But if you want to know more, if you want to go deeper, join the network because you got experts. We have an expert organizer manager in Callan. We have like just I mean we yeah, have not, we have not a whole lot was going on. I know, I was I know, but like not a whole lot is going on in the network, I agree, but things are definitely going on. Like right. we were connecting people when when it was at I did want to say one thing to sort of echo what Jared was just talking about, um, about Callan, like not to make you even more nervous, Callan, but like and Eric knows this, every time I have a conversation with you, I text Eric and I'm like, Callan's amazing. I'm so glad she's here. Yay. I love everybody I'm working with right now. And I feel like we're all falling in love with Callan. <laughs> well, I will do yeah. my best to never let you fall out of love with me. <laughs> I think that I re- what Jared said at the beginning, calling back to episode 998, talking about the why of Restaurant Unstoppable is really important. And I think the why that you've outlined for everyone is ideal and good and worthwhile for you to essentially sacrifice your life to go and do this or that your life has become this. Um, I, my hope for you, Eric is 
that perhaps your time on the road is a little less savage eventually, a little bit more comfortable, not crazy, just a little bit more. Um, and in the meantime, everyone who's listening, if you meet up with Eric, please give him some snacks. Maybe make sure he's got plenty of water. Anybody with an Airbnb want to donate to the cause? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Airbnb gift cards are great for Eric. Um, but take care of him because he's very important to us and a lot of different listeners. And honestly, there. just just like little things like just using the links whenever you you hear about a tool or service, that stuff goes a long way. That all goes towards supporting the cause. The, I'm not getting rich off this thing. Like I'm, I'm getting by. Like it's not like I'm, I'm taking these leads and I'm, I'm running to Las Vegas and you know going crazy. Like we're you're making the show possible. But the, the, if you continue to do those things, we'll be able to do even more. Um, I think we're we're ready to wrap. Uh, I just want to end on the sentiment that um, you know, on this idea of a minimal viable product the idea behind a minimal viable product is to start with just an idea, a vision, get proof of concept, but then to exist, to serve your members, to exist, to serve the people who are buying your product. And that's what we want the network to be. We have an idea of what we want to do, but really what we want is to serve you. So if you join the network 30 day trial, you can get in there, see if it's for you. If it's not for you, you can get out. No questions asked. Tell us where your pain points are. Tell us what you wish you knew and we can find people. We like it's, it's only valuable if you use it and you put me to work for you, but we're, we're open and we're receptive to what you need and what you want. And I might not have the answers, but I promise you, I know somebody who does that we can get in there and to learn together with. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I just want to say thank you to all of you and to the people who weren't able to make it today and to our listeners for helping me get to a thousand, the emails I've gotten, the messages I've gotten from people saying that this, this show has helped them and it supports them. And just the fact that you're here today and that the, there are other people here today in my corner cheering me on, championing me is the only reason why I keep showing up. So if you did leave on, I might get emotional before the end of this. If you did leave one of those emails, Thank you so much. Um, you like it's it's that kind of stuff that keeps me going. So thank you. This is this is a collective win for all of us. A thousand episodes. Thank you guys so much. I uh, I would like to say that I've been watching the uh, Indiana Jones movies in preparation <laughs> for the new one that's coming out. And uh, in the first one, Raiders of the Lost Ark, he uh, he goes out to Peru and he he gets this really valuable artifact, but then at the last moment it gets stolen by some other dude. But he comes back to his his profession his college with like all these little trinkets and he's talking to his uh his, the guy who's like above him or whatever works for the museum and he's like you know i lost the big one but i have these little ones and like these little ones like we could sell these to the museum right and he goes yes of course we could sell these to, me- to the museum and he's like maybe i could get enough to just get a plane to go back out there and find more and so uh like basically eric you're not batman you're not india i mean sorry you're not batman you're not James Bond. You're fucking Indiana Jones, dude. You're going out. You're getting artifacts. You bring them back, and you just get enough to have you go back out there and do it again. So I think that's uh, that's my little connection that I wanted to make. That you know, like you, you get enough to like do it again. It's not like you're getting a bunch and keeping it for yourself. I'll be Indiana Jones. <laughs> He's pretty cool. It's kind of a stretch. As long as I get yeah. a whip, um, right? All right, guys, this has been fun. Thank you so much. I think this is where I say collectively, there is no questioning. We are unstoppable.
there you have it. One thousand episodes here at restaurant unstoppable and i just want to say thank you to my listeners thank you to my friends and family thank you to anyone and everyone who's helped make this podcast possible and uh really it's it's been a, a tribal effort and um i'm just so grateful to have made it this far and i really do believe we are just getting started i i, I believe it and i and i mean it when i say that and um you know, I think the future of Restaurant Stoppable looks like me staying in my lane, doing what I do best, going out into the world, finding amazing people, sharing their story, getting inspired, getting empowered, and paying these lessons forward so we can transform the industry. And big, two big takeaways I want to leave you guys with before we say officially goodbye and go in beyond a thousand episodes is that going into the future, one thing I, I'm going to start doing differently is I'm going to be a little bit more open when it comes to sponsors. There's a lot of tools and services here that want to support the show. And I, I kind of, my integrity is my biggest strength and it's also my biggest weakness. It it gets in the way of opportunities sometimes. And after a thousand episodes, I feel confident in saying that I have a clue now. When I first started the podcast, I really didn't have a clue as to who to refer and to, I, I, I didn't want to lose trust by referring tools and services that I couldn't stand by personally. That being said, after a thousand episodes, I I've learned so much and I do see value. I do recognize value when I see it. And there are organizations out there that we can partner with uh, to help make the show, to help take the show and really make it more than just a show, but a collective of people who have special skills and are bringing those skills to the table. Like Callan, um, somebody, why not be an opportunity for somebody else? And and really, if Restaurant Unstoppable is going to scale, it's, it's going to take more than just me. It's going to be me creating opportunity for other people and their skills. And that's kind of where I see this thing going. Is it growing beyond Eric Cacciatore? And we do go further together. And that's the future is is bringing people on, leaning on my experts, leaning on the others in the community to help support me and going the distance. And I just cannot be more excited for the future of Restaurant Unstoppable. That's it for today. See you guys for the next 1,000.